Welcome to Where Did the Road Go? Well, no. Welcome to the Brothers of the Serpent podcast is what this is. Uh, this was my appearance, my first appearance on the Brothers of the Serpent podcast with Marty Garza. And I'm posting this now because Marty will be my next guest. And a lot of people wanted to hear uh, me talk with him. They posted this. This was about uh, nine months ago, beginning of 2023, that we had this conversation. And uh, it was a great conversation. And I had a great conversation with Marty as you'll see when I put up the next show. But I figured I'd put this up first, and that'll kind of give you some uh, something to go from if you didn't hear it. And yeah, you can always go subscribe to the Brothers of the Serpent podcast. This was episode 274 for them, labeled UFOs and the Paranormal. So yeah, here it is in its entirety. UFOs and the Paranormal with Marty Garza and Soraya Azkath. You are listening to Brothers of the Serpent podcast. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, angels and demons and monsters and serpents. This is Brothers of the Serpent Podcast, and we are coming to you not live from the 10 by 10 by 10 tangent cube of science, where we are nestled amongst the dusty bones of an ancient seabed high atop the Edwards Plateau. So, this is a very special show. I've been wanting to do this for a while. I've been talking with, we're joined by Marty, who you guys know from all the UFO episodes, Marty Garza, and also Soraya the host of Where Did the Road Go podcast. Uh, we've talked a lot with both of these guys, but what, we, what I wanted to do was get them on the show and have them talk with each other about the UFO topic. Soraya is very knowledgeable in this, and obviously you guys know that uh, that Marty is as well. And uh, so I've been wanting to do this for a while. So welcome, you guys. Thanks hey. for coming on. So so wait, uh, Marty and I aren't just going to talk about metal the entire time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, you know... Maybe we should do that. <laughs> we'll we do the do UFO. That. We'll do the UFO stuff on the Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sarai and I have a shared interest in our musical taste. Right. So, and, <laughs> and I was, I was told it's, it's not heavy. It's black metal or what? What was <laughs> well, the, it? The, the poster behind me is a black metal poster. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I the was, old man's child is black metal. At the gates are kind of melodic death metal. Iced Earth are power metal. Melodic death metal. You, Demu Bergier, uh, Demu Bergier are uh, black metal, symphonic black metal. Okay, so you, you guys can tell already. I have no idea, right? I, <laughs> I just called it death metal, and he was like, no, get this right. <laughs> the closest to death metal would be the At The Gates poster. Okay, sorry. I, I apologize. It's okay, I'll forgive you. Okay, good. <laughs> but seriously, it's great to have you guys both here. So let's, I tell you what, we'll start with what's going on right now i want to get you guys' thoughts on you know all the stuff that's happening with uh that's basically in the mainstream with ufos so soraya why don't you why don't you start with that tell us what you think about what's going yeah <laughs> with as few swear words as possible i mean you can use some but you know try not to uh <laughs> I, well, I i think marty and i have the same word for most of what you're getting from the mainstream and that's bullshit yeah uh you know, I mean, disclosure. Disclosure is a carrot that has been dangled in front of people for decades, and they just keep getting new people into the field who then also start chasing that carrot that they're never going to get. Uh, if the government wanted to tell us stuff, they would tell us stuff. If they don't want to tell us stuff, they're not going to tell us stuff. We're not going to force them into doing anything. Um, and I find it ironic that the same people who generally distrust the government will believe them if they say there's something about UFOs. 
You know, yes, oh, they've yes. been lying to us forever. Oh, UFOs, there might be some. See, see, we told you. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> yes. And it's, it's, you know, it's the same disinfo games we've been seeing for years. Uh, the government has infiltrated UFO groups as early as the 1950s. Uh, Jacques Vallée's Messengers of Deception is a great book talking about all of that stuff. Um, they, uh, I mean, they just, they've done, the government doesn't do anything that we want them to do. Right. They're doing the stuff they want to do. If they're releasing this, there's a reason for it. And it's probably not to tell us the truth about UFOs. It's some level of disinformation. Yeah. There, there might be some grains of truth in there. Um, my guess when you see things like the Tic Tacs and stuff is that's new tech of ours. And they want to see if our guys can figure it out. And if our guys can't figure it out, then China and Russia probably also aren't going to figure it out. Mm. Marty? <laughs> I think it's, it's like most things, as I always say, I think it's a little, it's a little bit complicated. There's multiple, there, I believe there are multiple things going on. I agree with everything that Soraya said. I think that's a very good characterization. I think uh, modern day, you know, UFO enthusiasts, you know, you're the, you know, UFO Twitter, you know, contingent. They're almost like Charlie Brown and the government is <laughs> Lucy with a football, you know. Yes. It's, and we're just, we, they, how do you not learn? And words, how many times are you going to go and try to kick that ball? that's going to get pulled out from under you. This has happened. It happens on a, on a cyclical basis going yeah. back to literally the late forties. Um, but I think the modern, the modern, the modern version of this is a little bit more complicated in that. I think there are multiple agendas um, being played out. I think that um, first we got to recognize a few of the ground rules. One is the government is not monolithic. They do not all see things the same way. And True. there are, there are disagreements on how on policies. I don't care what it, you know, on any topic. Um, there's always going to be disagreements in, in how these things should be addressed. Um, and then, and something as complicated as the UFO phenomenon. Um, this is, there are multiple levels of how how different departments would handle this type of information and how they would choose to either withhold or disseminate this information then so, so can i ask a question real quick are you basic are you sort of saying that a part of what we're seeing right now and pro probably in the past as well is a product of disagreement between departments or different factions in the government i think that's always been yeah. case but okay. i think part of what's what's happening I, I i suspect and this is this is obviously speculation all of this is speculation but from what i have observed um it appears to me that it is possible that some you some factual information has leaked like most things within the government leak but then they're discredited in one way or another but what we're seeing i believe is um an attempt by the department of defense to make lemonade out of lemons um information leaked they were pressured there was enough uh maybe because of certain certain people in 
in the government, and Harry Reid and maybe some others. Um, there were enough things that were said publicly that there was enough interest brought on the subject that applied a little bit of pressure. So the powers that be said, okay, we're in a bad situation. How do we turn this around to our advantage? And I think two, there's two obvious things that are going on in, in terms of that. I think the first is plausible deniability. Um, given the current state of affairs, um, it seems logical to me that if we have advanced tech, which not if, we do have advanced tech. We, we don't know to what degree, but we most definitely have a number of plat unacknowledged platforms. That's indisputable. That You can read through aviation books and you, you can read statements by test pilots that have said, no, we've flown 15 unacknowledged you know, uh, programs on 15 unacknowledged programs. So we know there are platforms out there. Now, how sophisticated they are, whether they have, you know, anti-gravitic or any, any sort of technology like that, that, that's a totally separate debate. But regardless, we have, we have technologies that are used over denied territory. And in situations, um, and I know this is YouTube, so there are certain topics you can't bring up but when you have um, potential you know sensitive um situations geopolitical situations and things the last thing you want is uh you know francis gary powers type situation where you know uh, uh advanced technology is recovered by a foreign nation or you, you get caught yeah with your hand in the cookie jar in some way right so by the government acknowledging that there's something in our skies that we don't know what it is, that's providing them with plausible deniability. They can now send, potentially send uh, drones or some type of air, you know, platform, some type of aeroforms over denied territory, and then just say, we don't know what they are either. You guys are seeing, we're seeing them. They're flying over our, you know, restrict in our restricted, restricted airspace and stuff too. So it's providing cover. That's, Definitely one aspect, unmistak unmistakably, that is one aspect of what's going on. So, that, yeah, so they're basically, they're using the entire uh, UFO topic as a cover for their own covert activities. Like, right. and, yeah. and, and to add to what Marty said, not only is the government not one monolithic thing, but they outsource to a lot of corporations. Yeah. <laughs> and those corporations are not uh, answerable to us. They're private organizations. That's why they do it. Yeah, that is that is something that they learned that that was that's something that was actually going to come up at some point in this conversation. I'm glad it, you brought that up. Um, when the Freedom of Information Act uh, was passed, um, the government quickly learned that the public could potentially become aware of sensitive information. Right. So they know how to sidestep that kind of thing. So what they do is they outsource stuff to private corporations that are, <laughs> that are not uh, subject to the freedom of information. Act. Yeah. Yeah. And that is going, that leads to another, uh, uh, I guess I'll, I'll bring this up now. I believe that we are going to see, uh, 
maybe this year. I believe that it's entirely possible that as a result of all of this <clears throat> public um, discussion, we may see um, acknowledgement of the recovery of crash material, UFO crash material, because it's been hint they've been hinting around a lot about it. I think it's I think we're going to possibly find out that yes, there has been crash debris recovered. Okay, but are you? And I think are you implying? Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, okay, no, no, are no. you implying that that crash material is actually just going to be advanced human tech from some? No, no, not necessarily. Okay, not necessarily. Okay. Um, that's that's the lemons. That's the lemon side, not the lemonade side. In okay. other words, that's the stuff they don't really want to acknowledge, but they may not <clears throat> have any choice. And that's where the second side of the bullshit that's going on right now is they're pretending that that they don't know what's going on and they're just as surprised as we are and they need they need funding so that they can get to the bottom of this and if anybody believes that they have not been investigating this since right actually that's, that's 1944 i know a lot of people think that blue book or project sign was the first no no if, if you listen back to i think it was Grudge. even ufos part one i i brought up the fact that there was a program that was headed by Henry Cross from Bethel Memorial Institute during World War II related to the Foo Fighters. We don't know much about that, but mm. there was a UFO program or a Foo Fighter program in 1944. So this is they they've been investigating this for a very long time. And to to suggest that they would allow anything to go into restricted airspace and not try to get to the bottom of it is just exactly. It's insane. Uh, yeah. They know. I'm not saying that they know what it is, but they've been investigating. Yeah. They're the, and that's it. Anyone who thinks that they just started investigating UFOs recently, you don't know how the government works. Right. Yeah. The, the, the defense is a big deal. If, if something is appearing on radar like these things do and we don't know what they are, yeah, they're going to investigate them and they don't have to tell us about it. Right. They don't have to say a word about it. Blue Book and things like that. That was the public face of let's satisfy these people who want to know. But it wasn't the real research. I mean, um, there was another point. I don't know if I agree about the crashed saucer thing, because I don't think that we're going to find that they are made of the type of stuff we think they are. Well, that's we'll that's a that's a complicated one. And I think you'll agree with my assessment of this. OK, Um this is this is a, a wild speculative story of what I, how I believe this has kind of played out possible. This is one potential scenario. I believe that as early as 1945 with the Trinity crash, right? It appears that they recovered a craft and debris at Trinity and then again potentially potentially in Roswell in 47. And that was the AEC, right? The Department of Energy. Yeah, the Atomic Energy That's Commission. how they yeah. kept this away from the public because no one ever thought to look yeah, into a, yeah. to the Department of Energy. Right. right. So I think it is entirely possible that in, in, in 1945, they recovered material. And this again happened in 47. And if you look at like the public statements at the, at that time, they were a little bit more open about what was going on. Now 
I think that they probably thought they were going to get to the bottom of it right away. In other words, they had physical evidence in hand that should surely tell them what this is. But I think that as they got into it, the more they investigated, the less they knew, the less they could understand. And that's where we get into this really weird, complicated version of history and what could potentially be going on here. You see, and as I've mentioned before, back in when I was heavily into this, um, when I was working for the Encounters uh TV show, you know, their for their forums and everything. I was I was a nuts and bolts ufologist, right? I I was firmly on in the camp of these are physical craft, physical bodies coming from sure. Zeta Reticuli or some other star system or whatever. And over time, once the blinders kind of came off and I started looking at the data objectively, I started to recognize that that that's only that's such a small fact of you know uh, uh, facet of the phenomenon that it it doesn't it doesn't necessarily really represent what the phenomenon truly is i think that that's only one very small aspect of it is but is it possible that it's just that we are unable to distinguish something that may be two or three or four different phenomena and that we're kind of grouping them all together well I think that's part of it, too. Okay. Yes, but, like, for example, um, maybe refresh my memory. Like, I you know, I mean, you could, you, could, something. you could maybe separate some of these things and say, okay, so some of this is, it looks mostly well, like, okay, go ahead. So you have lights in the sky and lights in the sky. I mean, getting rid of the prosaic things like drones, satellites, misidentifications, uh, those could be... Uh, formed from natural processes yeah like earthquake lights they could be plasma intelligences they could be craft of some sort coming from somewhere else uh but they all look like just lights in the sky this is the thing yeah um when you deal with interactions there are mass sightings where entire groups of people or you know like like the over uh, mexico city back in the 90s you had massive ufo sightings that just kept going you yeah. know and, and tons of people were seeing them but Huge for the most flats, part i yeah. think most uh, most UFO sightings seem to happen on a very personal level, uh, and you get some of the contact stuff without the UFO sighting as well. Mm. So uh, I think there's a number of different things that look similar but may be different things. Yeah, and we don't necessarily know where those lines are or how they're interconnected. It may be just how they interact with us. Yeah, I agree with that. In in definitely in modern times in other words a lot of the things that we see today could be so many different things yeah. and i think that that is part of the misdirection that's going on with disclosure right now i think that the 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 official position is everybody standing around with pointing to the sky they yeah. want to draw your attention to you know lights in the sky that could really be anything in other words because again that it's more uh it's it's more an intent to to cover for something else it's not it's not uh it's not true disclosure right but as far as as far as um let's say um physical 
physical craft, physical debris. Um, it's and and I guess let me point something out and that should be obvious to anybody that's followed the phenomenon, but it's worth stating. When you're when we're talking about this phenomenon, it is chock full and comprised of of uh, contradictions. Yes, every theory has a counter argument and exam and evidence that will counter almost any, even the the firmest information that you think you have. Like take for example, physical craft a physical object that was recovered and taken on the back of a truck and taken to a lab and you would, it would seem obvious that that, Oh, that obviously indicates that these are flying machines from some other planet. But let me give you a, a, an example of how that is not necessarily the case in uh, messengers in the sky. Jack Valet talks about uh, Gervais of Tilbury. Um, who in 1211 AD wrote a book, uh, Otia, oh, here we go with my pronunciations, <laughs> Imperialia. <laughs> and in this book, he talks about a story of that one day, um, a bunch of people who were in church heard a noise and ran out and saw an anchor Yep. Stuck in a pile of stones. This is one of my favorite stories. Right. Yep, and, mine too. They still have and, the anchor. Right. Right. <laughs> right. One of Recovered the people crash on the ship came down the chain <laughs> and he died. Yeah, they grabbed he, him. They, he was surrounded by people yeah. and he died. The people on the ship cut the, cut the line and left the anchor and the ship left. Yeah. And they kept the anchor and used it to make a door for the church to commemorate that event. Yeah. Okay. It's a crazy that is story. not altogether different than the Aurora, the Aurora uh, airship crash of 1897. Right. You take Trinity or Roswell in our modern, you know, uh, space age type or, you know, post uh, atomic era versus uh you know the the 1211 ad sighting of a ship a sailing ship in the sky or uh an airship in 1897 is it possible that these are just manifestations physical manifestations created to that are right at the edge of the technological understanding of the individuals yeah present wasn't there a crash in texas too and they buried the yeah that's the aurora oh, airship. that's the aurora one yeah. okay yeah 1897 yeah. okay yeah right in other words to me this isn't a whole lot different than even you know um the money diggers that would you know use their occult rituals and pray to the spirits mm -hmm. to find treasure in other words are these all a ports are these yeah. all created for our <laughs> for yeah. our entertainment or to deceive us or to lead us to believe uh, something that's not but is it a pro uh, do you do you mean it's a product of humans practicing no, no. i believe it's a product of the phenomenon the the phenomenon appears to be able to m 
I don't know that the phenomenon, and, and again, this is speculation, and I may contradict myself multiple times throughout this conversation, right? But it is, in, I believe that it is, it is, it appears that the phenomenon has the ability to manifest in physical reality yeah. in some way. Although I don't know that the phenomenon itself is a physical phenomenon. In other words, it is not necessarily, it's, a, it's an intelligence of some sort. I don't know what type of intelligence it is. I don't know if it's extraterrestrial or omnipresent. It, in other words, it's all I can say is it's an intelligence. That much I feel confident enough to say there is a an intelligence that is not us. It is not current yeah. mankind. Could it be from the mankind in the future? I'm not in that camp, but it's not an, it's not, not impossible. impossible. Yeah. yeah. I, I would I would say I was going to mention app hoarding because that's definitely one of the things that could be happening. I do think uh, the fact that you see a, people tend to have UFO settings around liminal time periods in their life and liminality can be stirring up uh, psychic energy, even if they don't realize it. That's when you get poltergeists. That's when you get high strangeness things. And I think this stuff can either be manifested entirely by us without realizing it, or there's something out there that, that can utilize that energy and manipulate it to create some kind of appearance in our world. Uh, you had also said something uh, about trying to take pictures of a fighter jet, I think it was, that was using infrared technology, and you couldn't get a clear photo of it, which immediately made me think of all the blurry photos of paranormal stuff. And Jacques, or not Jacques, John Keel's idea that this stuff moves through the super spectrum that it's always there, but we can't perceive it. And that just like, it just clicked a whole bunch of boxes for me. And like, I talked to people who said that uh, they work for the military um, using anti um, tracking stuff. Like they, they would have infrared beams. They could shoot at a camera and it would destroy the camera, which doesn't sound entirely unlike what you hear about stories with cameras and the paranormal. They try to take a picture. It doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, or the camera never works again, or, you know, they just get something that that's not what they're seeing. Um, if the camera's not picking up the light, but we're picking up sort of on multiple levels and our brain is putting together a picture for us, that picture may not be the same thing as what's actually there. Um, but you do get, you know, in monster sightings, you get, uh, footprints and stuff like that that are physical that show something physically was there where it gets its shape from where it gets its form from may partially depend on us i i believe you're that is a very accurate observation um the there is a substantial amount of evidence that does suggest that human experience does play some form of role in this um now whether this is the collective unconscious or something i don't i don't know that i necessarily would agree with that but i can without question <laughs> state that there is a connection between um human experiences and I'm talking um, traumatic experiences, um, yeah. whether they're physical or mental or that kind of thing. There is a direct connection between those and this type of um, activity that seems to blur the lines between 
all of these different things like you're talking about, whether they're, you know, these, you know, you're talking Bigfoot and, you know, the wolf, you know, bipedal Dog wolves and, and yeah, yeah, all these different things, gnomes, elves, all these, they're, when we look at them and, and isolated, um, isolated type, uh, regions where there be this this type of activity it, you know a lot of it is really absurd and, and yes. it really is i mean it, there's no denying it. it it it's only when you take that macro view and you start looking at it and see you know this this is consistent with things that have been discussed throughout history maybe maybe viewed through a different lens but ultimately it walks like a duck. It talk, you know, it quacks like a duck, even though it may not look like a duck this time. It still appears to follow the same set of rules, and it's almost as though these things are constrained by certain, like within certain parameters. They can do certain things, and they can't do other things. Yeah, it, we get into this really crazy. It, it, this that's. That's where you really start getting into the esoteric side of the of the phenomenon. Um, I, you know, when when people ask me, "Oh, do you believe in this stuff?" <laughs> you know, because you'll you'll encounter someone who finds out you you know you do a show like this, and they're like, "You actually believe in that stuff?" And I'll, my my simplistic way of putting it to them is, people have experienced this stuff throughout history, throughout recorded history, in every culture. They've named it different things. They've called it different things. So, do I believe extraterrestrials are here? I don't know, but something is happening people are this is a very human experience that has been experienced cross culture so unless you think that people are making up the same stuff with different names on it they're having an experience it's been there like i said all recorded history and it's across every culture so it's a human experience if nothing else mankind has always believed in the existence of a non-physical Yes. Intelligent realm. Just call it a spirit realm or whatever you want. It's only within the last 120 years or so that we've become began to deny the existence of such things. Right. And and I think some people, if they're not if they're not, you know, if it's just a side vague thing they look at every once in a while, it's like, okay, so either UFOs are extraterrestrial or they don't exist. Either Bigfoot's an undiscovered ape or it doesn't exist. There's no when you try to explain to him, them, it's not that simple. It's probably, it, it exists, but maybe not the way you're thinking of it. And it may be interconnected to all these other things. You know, people have Bigfoot or uh, UFO sightings, and it almost always follows with poltergeist activity and other weird things like strange lights and stuff like that. Uh, Tim Renner started asking people who had Bigfoot sightings, have you seen lights around that area? Like unexplained lights. And almost every time someone's like, Oh yeah, yeah, those happen. Yeah. Yeah. And that immediately makes you start thinking of older stories of the guardians of the forest and the wisps. And I mean, you, you know, you right, see how it right. connects to all this different stuff. Like you're saying, like every culture has these, these ideas and it seems like they must be sourced from somewhere. So the argument here is that, it is an external source of some kind that we haven't yeah. been able to define. Yeah. It's experience. No culture has been able to fully explain because I don't think we have necessarily the capability to fully understand it yet. Right. If ever. Yes. And, and I think it's also, you know, this, this ties to the other ground rule of, <laughs> I mentioned a couple of them at the beginning. And the other one is that 
bottom line, it's not the government that's withholding, you know, information or, you know, the, the existence of this phenomenon. Right. The it's phenomenon the, is the one. The phenomenon is the source of the control. Deception. Yeah. Right. Yes. They, I think some of the absurdity is purposeful to Absolutely. always, always interject doubt. Yes. What, you know, you, you, <laughs> it's like you said before, uh, you know, we want you to believe, but not too much. Not, not too much. Yep. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and right. The, the phenomenon is the source of the deception. The, any disclosure from the government would just be disclosing whatever they've been able to figure out about it. But people, I guess they expect the government has all, has figured it all out, which is crazy. Right. Yeah. I don't, what know else have I, they figured out? Like point, I don't know point that, that out do. to me. <laughs> That doesn't mean they haven't learned a lot from it. Sure. And they have they more, may have a lot of data. Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That doesn't mean they know what's going on. All right, let's let's take a quick break. This is fantastic. Let's take a quick break. We'll come right back. Thank you guys. Back, ladies and gentlemen, brothers of the Serpent Podcast. Um, I am nursing a massive hangover. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I I brought my B game today, but I'm okay, hanging so in there. You weren't just taking a nap. You're actually like hungover. Okay. I, yeah. I, I was, didn't realize that. Okay. I mean, hungover. I was like, not so much like drinking hangover, just like late night. Late night. Yeah. Okay. Tired. Totally understandable. There was some drinking involved. Though. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but uh yeah i'm just like oh okay. i got a i got a bottle of water i got this coffee over here and uh mm, i have generated one question Ooh. <laughs> so i guess listening to everything you guys are saying about the you know the breadth of this of the phenomena do you think it's possible that this is technology but it's not like government technology, but perhaps some deeper tech from very ancient times that's been around and could be the cause of all this stuff. Like a, like a hidden civilization that's just been there the whole time? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it could be Earth-based or I don't know. I'm just wondering, like, you know, there's a spiritual aspect to it uh, in a lot of cases, but could that also be some form of technology that is just beyond our completely beyond where we are right now to understand i i would say the fact that we don't know what it is means we can't rule anything completely out mm, yep so that's entirely possible and yeah there could be something um you know like like if you look at walter cruttenson's idea of uh well not even his idea the idea he posits in uh the lost star myth and time that we're in a binary star system with sirius and when sirius moves closer it actually uh brings about a golden age that this whole great year type of a cycle uh where we have enhanced psychic abilities and stuff like that um and then you look at like the research of robert shock when uh in the one i can't remember the name of the book but he talks about how psychics in labs perform better 
during periods of high solar activity. Is this forgotten civilization? Forgotten civilization. Yeah. No, it, uh, he no. mentions it again in there, but there's a, another book he wrote about that in particular. Oh, okay. Where they came to those conclusions. Um, and I, as he put it, and I, and I love the way he put it, was that either psychics throughout history have created this grand conspiracy to fake better results during high solar activity <laughs> or psychic abilities are real, you know, because yeah. you, it's a very clear pattern. Um, so if there was another solar object that we're getting closer to, it could possibly enhance uh, our connection to the other connect, you know, connection to other parts of ourself that we have no current control of that our conscious mind can't quite uh, control things that cause poltergeist activity abhorts dreams, even because we have no control over that stuff. Um, so a technology that could perhaps uh, replicate that energy an ancient technology, a modern technology that could replicate that energy certainly could cause uh, experiences in people that were very, very real experiences that we're normally not able to access. Yeah. And so, okay. So that takes it almost into the realm of physics because you could, you're basically, the idea there is that the sun is generating conditions in which certain things take place that look paranormal to us because we don't understand them yet. Right. Yeah. Cause right. I'm, I'm like, I've been on this sort of, line of thinking recently in the past years of just taking like the spirit realm ideas, spirituality, that sort of thing and physics and saying, well, if both of these things exist in this, in this universe that we're in, then there is rules about each one. And so that's just more physics to me, right? Physics, like the, the study of physics is discovering the, the laws of nature and so if spirituality and, and things that happen, phenomena that are spiritual in nature, those are laws of nature continued, right? Yeah. So well, law, laws of nature, we, we may not have the methodologies to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it could be, but that's just what I'm saying. It's like, can, yeah. could there be tech? Like yes. if, if you could yeah. bring a sun closer to yourself to heighten your ability to have psychic powers... Or replicate the energy that's causing those, exactly. those heightened abilities. Or you just uh, you just imagine, so if it is the sun causing it in some way with greater activity. Build more suns. <laughs> well, there are other stars that are much more active than ours right. In, right. in terms of, you know, violent solar activity. So you can imagine if there was a race that evolved around one of those stars that maybe they're just dealing with this all the time. And so it is a part of their regular world and they've incorporated it into their tech because it's around yeah, yeah. them all the time. So then they show up here and all yeah, of the their tech, tech affects, affects us in some <laughs> weird way because it's basically, you know, it's, it's involving that. So then you can, that's what I'm saying is, and yeah. like Soraya said, there's no, because we don't understand this, you can't rule anything out, but so you can imagine these scenarios where it could actually just be some kind of, you know, technology from a race from some other star. There, there have also been tons of accounts throughout history of people getting hit with a beam of light. Yeah. And it changes them. Right. Um, near death experiences, people seem to experience that light and they come back changed. Hmm. So that what reminds that light me. is, who knows, but it could be some form of tech. That yeah. reminds me of like biblical stories where like the light shines down from heaven on somebody. Yeah, exactly. And then, right. Yeah. And, and with near-death experiences, it's like, so why would there be tech when people are dead? Well, first of all, we don't know what happens when we die. 
we don't actually know that a near-death experience is the same thing we'll experience when we die because we didn't you know even if you're dead you came back yeah so and it, and it seems like you come back for a reason and it changes you people usually you know change their path in life they tend to lean to be more spiritual than than religious they tend to um actually get smarter which is not what you expect when somebody has died right like they died they should be losing brain cells not come back smarter and with a more leveled out personality it, it like improves them in every way which suggests it's it's something that that needed to happen to help this person yeah. as horrible as that may sound because they had to die to get it um but it doesn't mean that that's what happens when we finally die and yeah. a variety of things may happen when we finally die and there may be tech in that it just may not be technology like we think of it as material things Yes, it may be an energy tech of some sorts. That's right, and and also it's completely possible that these phenomena are coming from a part of the universe that is just it isn't abnormal. It's just that we can't, we don't have yeah. the senses to yeah. to perceive it at all. So everything that happens from it seems very impossible to understand. Yep. You know, the whole like yep. the Flatland example, where yes. right where they're they're they can't possibly imagine what's happening when this three-dimensional shape moves through their plane of existence because it changes impossibly and but it's it just goes up and it disappears and yeah i don't know where it came from or where right. it went it gets bigger and smaller in weird ways as the thing is moving through its through their plane right so it's just mm -hmm. it, it could just be a perception problem that other it, that other entities that also exist in the universe may not have right and so their right. their tech may incorporate it all the time and they may perceive other things that we don't perceive. I mean, our brains are limiting machines. They're not. Yeah. They're not computers like like some people want to want to put out there. They're they're machines that limit the input we get, so that we can function in this reality almost like a like an avatar in a video game. Right. Yes. It's a it's a dampening system for all the input. Yeah. Yeah. And it definitely does not. I mean, we've been able to tell. Hey, there's all this other stuff we can't perceive. Sounds. You know. Light, uh, yep. Uh, light and all this stuff. And that's only the stuff we've been able to discover that we've been able to make machine sensitive enough to pick up. Yeah. And then we create our scales and our, you know, this is this is the, the, the light spectrum, but there could be stuff outside of that too that we just don't know to look for. Right. Or have any way to perceive. Yeah. Yes. So an alien race might have a completely different interpretation of reality because they have completely different senses. Yeah, yes. for sure. Well, right, Marty, Marty, your turn. Yeah, what about you? Is this is it possibly that all of this is extremely ancient um, technology that's still here? I had to make notes because you kept you, there was so many good things that you guys said that I could riff off Marty of. Took notes I had to on make me, notes to not forget to address a, some <laughs> points here. Okay. Um, uh, but first I'm going to, I'm going to answer your initial question with a, with a question you asked trickster. Could this be technology that we're observing? And I'm going to ask you, do you believe it's possible that we are technology? Hmm. Um, like Adamu style. Like we're some I'm talking invention. about mankind, all living things, all physical living things. Yeah, where do you draw the line between technology and organ and natural? <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll entertain that possibility. Sure, not a problem. Right. In other words, 
I think sometimes it, it's difficult to to I, to consider. Okay, I guess this is this is um, actually very similar to the way um, we were. I was describing how we how civilizations have viewed the phenomenon through a lens that is at the limit of their under, their their conce conception of technology, right? Uh, and whether it's a boat or an airship or a flying saucer or whatever, yeah. right? You could apply that to this question. In other words, I guess like, can a cow contemplate the universe? In other words, is, is it just, it's impossible. It's far beyond their ability to even formulate an opinion or an idea of the existence of something like that. Can I interject? <clears throat> I have considered the idea that all life is an attempt by some intelligence to observe the universe. Yeah. Like, that's like from within it. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like let, let's go into this thing and like see what it's like in there and bring the data back. Yeah. Record sure. the data. And, and then that kind of goes into a sort of a Buddhist idea. Uh, but it could also be that the universe has been created so that we can create something new with it. You know, we, we've, given, we've been given the tools. Now go, go make something new that doesn't exist. Mm. Could, Still an agenda right. from this outside. Is, could these be, could all of this, including us, be physical manifestations of that, just like the A-ports that we're talking about. These are a physical manifestation, a vessel for a non-physical intelligence in this yeah. in this sense in this application us our soul whatever our yeah, core sure. is are is this a technology that we it's we can't see the forest from the trees we don't even recognize that we are the machine right yeah and it's just simply the container that this program or this whatever our core essence is call it a soul you know that this is placed in and uh, it to allow us to experience a physical reality or something in other words when we talk about these things being um from another planet or something i think that 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 may be that lens that we're looking through that that that's at that limit of our understanding. There could be realities far beyond our ability to even con consider that there could be things bigger than the universe, that the universe is only a component of something larger or yeah. A, yeah. a physical manifestation of a non-physical omnipresent thing. Mm -hmm. um, I think that the... Because this, there, there were a few, a few different points um, that Soraya brought up that I think, I think were were really good points. Um, like the the idea that psychics um, can, depending on solar activity, or that their abilities could change. Maybe I guess the first there, there before you can, if, I guess before you could even consider that. I think you have to consider, um, and this is something that I'm going to be 
delving into more in upcoming episodes. But the first question that has to be considered is, do these psychics actually have these powers? Where is that knowledge coming from? Well, I think that knowledge often comes from a connection to a greater thing than what we are. Right. I mean, I look right. at exactly. I, I, I like the video game sort of analogy. You know, you're playing a character <clears throat> in the video game. So you, your character in the video game, if it was conscious, would know only what's in the video game, but you know more. So occasionally, like, it would be like playing a video game where you could kind of, like, nudge its, its progress. Like, you can't control it exactly, but this conscious machine would be walking along and you'd be like, you should go to the right because you can see the view and, that it can't. And you're going to go to the right and it goes, I feel like I should go to the right, you know, and then it starts moving to the right. And a psychic would be someone who would be able to stop and sort of go, what is what is that card? And, you know, from your vantage point, you could turn the screen and go. That's a club, you know? Yeah. That's a great analogy because that video game has to, has to follow or has constraints, whatever, however it was written, the program, the characters within that program have to follow the code that was written into that. That doesn't mean that you as the observer, as the player do you, you have a completely different set of rules and you can influence what's going on in the game, but it doesn't mean you necessarily are in control of all factors within the game. Yes. Yeah. Right. You can, the other you thing can I like about that plant, analogy, though, you can plant synchronicities to kind of steer them in directions. Uh, yes, notice, exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The other so, thing I like about that analogy, though, is when you think about time, all everything that can happen in that game is in that code. I mean, unless there's a glitch or a hole or something. But it's all right there. So if you're playing a game that's very linear, start to end, it's already there. You're just never seeing it like that when you're playing the game. Right. Yeah, the, so, whole, the whole story all exists. Yeah. All the right. code's been written. Yeah. Okay, you're getting dangerously close to a simulated universe, Soraya. So I just want, I, but I actually thought about this earlier with the airship thing and the anchor and the um, like common sort of manifestation by a bunch of people of something that relates to them. I mean, that really sounds like something that could that happen like a in bug. a simulation. It sounds like a bug yeah. in the simulation. Yeah. And, yeah. and then when I think about the advancement of physics, you know, I think we've talked about this, Soraya, before, where it's like when they, there was no need to render anything in deep space initially. When, when, the, when the players started building telescopes and looking deeper, the computer had to yeah. come up yeah. with like, okay, well, what are the rules out there? And, so yeah. it, and it made a few mistakes, and now we have dark matter and dark energy and shit. And it's like, uh, you know, and now we got to build a better instrument, and the computer has time to, to like make all the except, physics except work Except we out. don't have dark energy and dark matter. That's you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> have you guys ever heard of the electric? But there's problems. It's... <laughs> There's problems, right? I knew so, it. I knew it. <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> but anyway, so so simulation. Go. How, how could that play? Could that be what's going on? And is that sort I mean, of where you guys are going? It certainly could. Maybe not in the way that we think about it. Um, but like I said, using the vid- a video game as an analogy actually works very well to describe our existence. Uh, the player, you know, a, a game that's very open world, but yet has a path to it um, that you can construct new things out of. And if it's an advanced enough game, you can construct completely new things, not just things within the construct of the game. Yeah. 
You know, it's not like, oh, you can just put these two things together and get that. You could go, what if I do this and turn this this way and then carve this a little bit and then turn, oh, I've created something new. Yeah. And if you get to a more energetic level that, I mean, the gloves are off at that point. You could create whatever you want. These things that we experience as the paranormal might be a consciousness from outside our universe that's trying to communicate. Maybe they're in a whole other universe. And I'm not talking like, like, um, like, a, like a parallel dimension. I mean, like our universe is over here. Theirs is over here. And somehow they're able to bridge to ours. They've discovered ours and they're trying to, you know, find ways in to communicate with us. But when they come through, you know, you end up with, with crazy high strangeness stuff that looks like dream logic and stuff like that, because they're really connecting in through consciousness. And it's a deeper level of consciousness, the same deeper level that, that draws up dreams and stuff. So it doesn't always have to make logical sense. Yeah. And their rules in their universe may be totally different. Exactly. You know, would cause it where they don't really understand what's going on over here either. I mean, look, look how much trouble we have learning a language if there's not a bridge somewhere. Yeah. Now, now imagine that for a completely different form of life. Like... You can, you can sort of talk, you know, people have made those things with dogs where they can run around and hit the buttons to tell you what they want. Yeah. And they'll, they'll like, you know, speak different words and they can sort of put sentences together, <laughs> but it takes a lot of work and how, you know, we don't know that the dog really understands the sentence so much as the dog understands what he gets when he hits certain. Right. Buttons. He understands the result. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, to bridge that gap between two completely different things would take some kind of level of connection of consciousness. I'm going to bring up an analogy that I've used before and that I think that there are, there is some historical data to support the possibility that this could be um, similar to what we might be experiencing, what our existence is. Um, and I, I'll use a video game analogy because it's something I'm familiar with. I play, and I, I may have brought this up on the show at one point, but I don't remember. I know I have mentioned this to other, other people before, but, um, and some of this comes from personal experience and, you know, but, um, I, I used to play, uh, car games, right? I, like Gran Turismo, right? And in that game, the way I would play it is I, I'm doing laps, right? I'm trying to set the fastest lap time. And sometimes I'd start the game um, and you make a mistake early on in the game, you blow a turn and you know, there's no way you're going to beat your time, right? right? So what do you do half the time? You're like, screw it. You hit reset and you start again, right? Yep. Sometimes you go, well, shit, it was a small mistake. Maybe I can make up for it later. I'll try to, you know, push a little harder into the next corner or something and make up for it. I and I'm going to try not to make this a religious uh, discussion, <laughs> but um, what you know, we often hear um, arguments against uh, whoa, what's going on. <laughs> Soraya's camera started moving around there. I, I don't know what you're talking about. That, that <laughs> uh, so uh, sometimes we hear statements like you know how could god allow these terrible things to happen you know this this massive loss of right. life and and things and like 
maybe we're looking, maybe those type of things are being interpreted from a human perspective where um, maybe those type of things are effectively similar to hitting that reset button. Like our, our job here is to move on to the next level, right? In this game. Maybe the next level is a non-physical experience, right? Maybe we're in a physical state and our job is to get past that physical state into this next realm, right? And maybe these things that seem terrible from, a, from our level, from our perspective, in the, from the macro, you know, looking down on this situation, maybe it's, maybe they're not as bad as they seem. Maybe, maybe those people never really went away. Maybe the souls come back. Maybe right. that, you know, that's where, you know, the Egyptians belief of, you know, that your soul had to be as light as a feather to move on to the next realm. Maybe that is effectively what is going on here. And you're here and you've got guardrails, you've got guides, you've got Jiminy Cricket over here suggesting that you might not want to go left on that intersection maybe you need to go right yeah. you don't have to we have free will right but it's always there to try to push us along and maybe those again those those mistakes you can make up for them in some cases maybe sometimes it's you can't maybe right you just have to get it right next time um but that you know, I, I kind of don't fall into the camp that this is some type of an intelligence that's studying this. We hear that a lot. Oh, they've been here and they're studying us. and they're. I don't buy that. I think there's a lot of evidence to suggest that they know us better than we know ourselves. They have yeah, the ability that, to manipulate us very easily. It doesn't seem like there's anything they don't know about us. So and but they if they could if, they could know us better than we know ourselves and still be studying us though. Well, I I would maybe categorize that as manipulating us yeah. for right. a purpose, not necessarily studying <laughs> us, right? Well, yeah, let, let's see what but it could right, be. Let's us. see what happens if you if we put the cheese on the other side of the water. <laughs> will the rat swim across? You know, <laughs> but but going on what you're saying, like like the idea of sort of you know sort of down the reincarnation path, like it could be us. On the other side, I've uh, oh, considered yeah. this yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. like yeah. you die and your soul disconnects from your body or whatever. And it is actually this sort of higher being, this higher self that yeah. has more awareness of like its reality. And this is an attempt to sort of like plug in into this physical realm. Then it's like what? ourselves on the other side are observing ourselves on the inside, observing the universe and trying to do this stuff. And we're like, yeah, we're not getting it right. And yeah, you, you're, we keep you're the diving guy back in. The game. Yeah. Exactly. And when you're in the game, you're the character, and it's really hard to keep the mindset of the guy that was out there seeing right. it as a macro right. thing. Exactly. So. Yeah, I've I've done I've shouted at my video game I'm like, why did you do that? <laughs> if I was in there, I would not have fallen off the cliff. Right? It's easy to not fall off cliffs. I've done it my whole life. But and you that, fell off I think the cliff. That oh. There's evidence that suggests that that <laughs> Um, could be the case. Uh, or there, there's data that could maybe suggest that it's 
possible that that's what's happening when when you consider although i uh, because for shock value maybe so I, I you know i will very often bring up cases that are maybe not <laughs> don't turn out very well for the for the individuals involved yeah there are cases where um the phenomenon does does appear uh, i wouldn't say appear does have um an interest in our well-being in some cases and i i know this for a fact um that it's not always negative and it is hard to put that in a box and saying okay why would aliens from zeta reticuli care what happens to me right <laughs> why would they intervene in some cases and not in others what is going on in other words this is this is the I, I i should point out that this is the aspect of the phenomenon that i believe going back to the beginning of this entire conversation this is the aspect of the phenomenon that the department of defense and i think governments in general are trying to distract us from yeah they're over here pointing to the sky going look at those lights in the sky and getting trying to get everybody to look up so they don't see what's going on around because i've said this before i know it sounds like a joke but that jiminy cricket thing i believe jiminy cricket is real whatever this is is around us uh, all the time and it's influencing us all the time and I'm I'm going to say this. I'm not here to convince anybody of anything. This is this is my personal belief based on what I have seen, what I have personally experienced, as well as 40 years of research. This is what it looks like. I don't know what it is, but this is how it acts that I can I say I can say there's data there, right? I, it's not enough to tell me what it is, but I can only speculate on what it could be, right? But the, but as far as the conduct, that I'm fairly certain of. And, and also, we learn, unfortunately, way more when we have bad experiences than good ones. When we're presented yeah. with a challenge, something to overcome, that's when we grow. That's when we, we learn to... Uh, come up with new ideas and stuff because obviously the old ones weren't working or we've come up across a new problem. Um, these experiences, I think primarily are not negative experiences, but we've, especially with UFOs and stuff, it's been hijacked where people are like, Oh, abduction experiences are always negative. Well, they may start out negative, but so do shamanic experiences. Yeah. When, when someone starts a shamanic awakening, it's not a pleasant experience, but over time, you start to understand better what's happening and it goes to be a more positive growth experience, which encounters with these things, I think, are on the same level. So it seems negative because it's scary. You know, you don't know what's going on. You seem to be you know, up against something that, that wants to harm you. But when you really look at it, you're not seeing a lot of people get harmed by this stuff. Every once in a while you have, uh, especially in, in South America for some reason, like cases where people get exposed to lights and they, they die or get like radiation poisoning. But again, we don't know that that's actually the phenomena and not military operations. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, 
especially since it seems to se- you know center in that area and we know our government definitely has used that area to ex- to uh test stuff and things like that so who knows what's going on there but overall i think negative experiences as much as they may suck and none of us actually want them we're going to get them life is a series of problems that we have to overcome and the the better you do with with kind of overcoming those problems the more you learn and i think the phenomena is the same way like when you first experience it it may be scary it's a problem but as if you you know if you go to a ufo uh researcher who then hypnotizes you and and gives you false recall of all these horrible things that they did to you well now it's an even scarier experience and that that potential growth experience has been hijacked because of this person's belief system who who hypnotized you <laughs> when you said that i was thinking maybe they're trying to make a tasty dessert and sometimes they burn some of the cookies i was gonna say so it wouldn't be an infallible whatever it is is not infallible right make it can make mistakes yeah i think that there are historical um historical records that indicate um cases where this type of um encounter has injured people um, that and then they tried to fix could it. not be attributed to technology in terms of like a government, right? Yeah, it predates modern mo- the modern era. Um, we'll actually, I'm going to bring up a couple of cases in the next episode, actually, that I think are very interesting that uh, counter that. And although I agree with Soraya, I think a lot of what we're seeing now is, you know, or in the past 40, 50 years, a lot of it is definitely military stuff, but. But Again, it's not to that say doesn't too, mean we're not learning from these materials that have been recovered or anything. Or is it, that's what I was going to say, that the military, like if you had all of the resources of the U.S. government at your fingertips, you probably would have like discovered to a certain degree some of the whatever the tech or the oh yeah how the how these things are utilizing these other forces or whatever it is. And you pick up a little bit of that. So when you're testing it out and you make mistakes and yeah, you know, well, two, two things somebody. I would say there, first of all, the military is basically only interested in weaponizing things. So they're not going to dig into anything. They can't weaponize. If it looks Meals like it's not going to be useful, they're, they're just not going to bother. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say though, is if this stuff draws our energy to manifest, um, because people will be like, well, why do people have negative, like demon encounters and stuff like that? You know, why does this stuff seem demonic? If it's, if it's relying on our energy to manifest and our energy that we're putting out there is fear and, and such and stress, then I think that's what it manifests with. And then it comes across as something frightening. And as long as that's the energy you're giving it, that's all it has to really work with. Even in, in some cases, you may be creating that yourself. You're externalizing that stress, that fear, and then it happens and it strengthens it. And if you stop looking at it as something trying to hurt you, uh, you, you find like, like with poltergeist cases, when it seems like it's coming from a particular person, when that person's life levels out or they get uh, people actually listening to them and stuff, the poltergeist activity trickles off, gets less negative, etc. It's the worst when they're at the most stress. Yes. I have a bunch. I, I, I have a I bunch of questions, but we need Me to take too. a break. Yeah. One more break here. Or another break. We'll be right back.
And we are back, ladies and gentlemen, Brothers of the Serpent podcast, and we're having a roundtable discussion with uh, Marty and Soraya from Where Did the Road Go on the topic of UFOs, paranormal phenomena, and uh, what all this might be and what it all might mean. Also, Colin, I got some beers. Cheers, buddy. Cheers, bro. Cheers. the dog. Cheers to you guys. Uh Oh, yeah. I, I I have a caffeine free diet Pepsi. Does oh, that count? Yeah, it totally oh, counts. What? Yeah, sure it counts. <laughs> Drink a choice. He's going man. easy on you, bro. <laughs> I, I, I I wanted to throw out one other thing, um, based on the conversation we were having last time. Uh, when it comes to the idea of like the universe and all that, uh, in reading the Seth material, Seth describes our universe as a portion of what he calls all that is. And he's like, we are a tiny, tiny sliver. This universe is a tiny, tiny sliver of all that is. So he uses all that is instead of God because it's we're made up of everything. As we're all a part of the same all that is. And then he goes on to say that the all that is is looking for others like itself. Okay. And like that's kind of a mind-blowing concept when you consider like our universe is as huge as it is. It's just a sliver in the in this totality of this thing. Yeah. Which is trying to find other things that are like itself. Yeah, that is. Talk about like a cosmic horror type of scale. Yeah. It's like the whole thing is like, am I alone? Yeah, yeah. 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 Exactly. Let me make some little friends down here. Yeah. I don't like them die. (laughs) (laughs) I would say that's not not altogether different than might what might be suggested in the Nag Hammadi texts as mm. well. Jesus, Jesus speaking of all that is, it's kind of sim. I would say it's somewhat similar. Interesting. Well, I did. I did want to real quick reference something we were talking at the end of the last segment there, which is you know, Soraya, you were mentioning how people have bad experiences, but that could yeah. be because it's it's what they're giving in the co-creation part, right? Right. But I wanted to ask, like, do you think that there's that it's possible that there is actually just purely what we would call maybe evil stuff coming from this phenomena as well? Like, could, it, could is the phenomena varied in its and uh, yeah. it's within itself? I, th- I think there's different aspects to it, certainly, but I don't think there's. I think it's perspective. You know, I think um, if something is trying to feed on you, we'll see it as evil, but it doesn't necessarily consider itself evil. It's just hungry. Um, like our mosquitoes evil right yeah, hell exactly. yes yes they are is the answer <laughs> you know the, the the cat is is this cute adorable thing to us but also a, an evil. absolute evil horror to the mouse right cats are definitely evil as well <laughs> they've always been witches familiar they're, they're masters of deception dude <laughs> they are masters of yeah deception. that's right yeah Go ahead, I, pet me ha, gotcha <laughs> we, we have discussed that on the show before um that that question and i think it's probably better characterized as malevolent rather than evil because yeah. i think yeah. is exactly right evil is in the eye of the beholder um you know, it depends on what side of the table you're on yeah malevolent on the other hand um is a i think that there is evidence there are many cases that suggest that the phenomenon has ill and or negative um Negative ramifications, intentional ramifications on mankind. I mean, this Um, is kind of maybe silly, but it's like, could it be the the adolescence of whatever those beings are? Because like, I was just thinking about malevolence and like how a child can just go 
destroy yeah. something. Yeah. Because they're just, it's not really malevolence, but they are destructive and they're just not really aware. We're, we're also probably dealing with an entire ecosystem of things. That's what it's, I mean. I don't think it's one thing. Yeah. It yeah. could be. It could all be one thing with different faces. Uh, Paul Kimball postulated the idea of this thing is creating art in our world and it creates arts art by creating these paranormal manifestations. And it's just one thing with all these different faces, but it's also very possible. It's an entire ecosystem of different things that manifest in sim using similar means. Um, so some of them might just be jerks. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's what I'm talking about is that <coughs> the phenomena itself is not just, you know, uh, purely good. Like some right. of it is, right. um, in other words, I, it, I, and I it think we it are isn't... dealing with at least at a bare minimum, two opposing forces. Uh, appear to be at odds with um, in terms of uh, the direction. I mean, and this could, this could be um, parsed out in different ways. In other words, it could be territorial. It could be for control. It could be, in other words, it doesn't one. I, I know that when I say that it, you automatically think, you know, angels and demons and it's necessarily from a religious, you know, Con, you know, context, but I, I, that's not necessarily the case. I mean, we, you know, there are nations here in, in our reality have, you know, opposing objectives. And sure. So there's, in other words, that could be what it's all about. It could be territorial. I mean, it could, we don't know. Right. But the evidence suggests that there appears to be different agendas at play, but um, they still seem to have to follow the same rules. The demon code. <laughs> I, I, I hate to put it that way. I try not to put a religious, oh, you know. Uh, well, but I think I mean thought over it. We've talked about this before, and that 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 it's very possible that these traditions that have come about and turned into these religious practices are initiated by some type of similar. Uh, you know, experience of contact or something like that. Like this is, it, it seems pretty clear in a lot of like, especially in the Christian tradition that there's like contact going on, which starts all this stuff. So I think a religious connotation is not, I mean, I mean, that just may be the origin of religions. Yeah. Oh yeah. No doubt. Absolutely. Every, every, nearly every religion has started as a result of, some form of contact and um i wouldn't say necessarily christian either because um uh, in in regard to what you just said because for example the book of enoch greatly predates christianity oh but, yeah um so i my working model is that there is some level of truth like maybe that's uh their best understanding of what was going on well, on the balance when you look at all these repetitive stories that there is consistency different different players but the underlying story appears to repeat itself yeah and i think that's suggestive of some underlying truth there it may not be exactly as it's you know, because it's like the tel you know telephone game and and 
there may be parts that have been manipulated or misinterpreted in certain ways. But I think we also, the underlying part of it is the same. We also like as people to minimalize things. We want to make them simpler. Yeah. yeah. And, and this might be something that's very, <laughs> very, very complex beyond our, our ability to comprehend. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and then that ecosystem that you, you mentioned, uh, Soraya, is also kind of, I, I made an analogy um, in one of, one of the previous episodes, and uh, it, it connected, uh, it was uh, kind of the, uh, I guess, based on the custodian model, <laughs> you know, that, yeah. that there are these different uh, beings or intelligences that are, are, are working behind the scenes. But that relates very much to the chain of being where there are there is a hierarchy of these intelligences and they all serve different different purposes so their you know methods of interaction may may appear to us as though they're on they have completely different objectives right that but that's strictly a function of their doing their job or their whatever they were designed for if they were created or yeah, or if they're a technology, that's right? a really that's interesting aspect of it too. Because it, it, the way it's set up, it sometimes makes it seem like, well, this is just a government, you know. And these are, but then in other ways, it's like, no, they're actually like they can't do certain things. Like it's it's an actual oh, yeah. physics type of thing where they just are governed by natural laws where they are only able to do certain things you know what i'm saying yeah and that, i was just thinking that that it ties into in some ways how we've discussed many times the the possibility that the gods of many ancient civilizations are actually describing they're actually describing physical aspects of the universe right they're they're yeah. impersonal like personifying certain uh like laws of the universe or just the way that it acts but right. then but then you can actually take that around and say well but they but it's possible from an animistic or, you know, panpsychist view that those laws of the universe do have personalities. Right, yeah. Right. And then also, when you look at it as a form of government, they actually say, like, they brought kingship down from heaven, and so this is how, yeah. you know, our systems of civilization are arranged. Yep. And it's almost like mir mirroring these maybe natural forces that they yeah deal with I, I don't know it's weird but that would also if it if it is that that it's like these are that in some way these the the the, the way that the, the forces of the universe ha actually have personalities then that would explain in some ways why they can't act in certain ways because they are also these forces of the universe like they right. can only do certain things in certain ways but you could take that as it. You could say that you know, if you're taking a the perspective that the entire universe and all aspects of it are actually they stem. It stems from consciousness, and therefore all of it is conscious in some way. That the phenomena is a is is like a, a result of that, a result of parts of the universe that have consciousness, and that's why it affects our consciousness as well mm -hmm. when we interact. Because we're with like it. pieces of it. Yeah. Yeah. That brings um, up. Oh, go ahead, Sarah. Oh, I was just going to say the hierarchy thing. You know, like when when you say kingship came down from the heavens, that also could just be uh, an advanced civilization teaching a lesser one their ways, as opposed to something more uh, right. cosmic. For sure, that could have been just like they flew over here and like taught us, yeah, forms of government, uh, yeah, and appointed an emissary, and that's the king. Yeah, and to to Russ's point on on how they 
appears to have to have to follow rules that that reminds me for example of uh the lesser keys of solomon how solomon was able to bind the demons yeah that's what i was thinking too and they had to answer they had they had to give their name they couldn't in other words in theory you're going why if these are these powerful beings why why do they have to do things there are certain they were they were bound which is not unlike exactly what enoch said happened to the to the um the not the demons but the the um the fallen angels because they're not i know that was a point that i tried to stress in, in one of the previous episodes that the fallen angels are not demons the demons were the offspring of the fallen angels yeah. um the nephilim the gibberum and the uh the uh what's the other ne nephilim the gibberum and the eljos um those were the demons and they were bound and then the spirits of these the nephilim the elgios are the ones that were that were then effectively haunting the the people that survived the flood yeah um so that brought up the let me bring up just an observation um related to the lesser keys of solomon um that i think might have application in this um this is something because in in this series um i try to bring up a lot of the historical aspects in terms of like lore um you know these different beings like inanna and ishtar you know those um we see they're they're like archetypes right they're they're different these are different uh, appear to be different in different intelligences i don't know what they are whatever they are uh they go by different names different different cultures have a different name for them but they act exactly the same and the stories behind them are almost exactly the same yeah and we assume that well these are just each culture is putting their name on this thing but it's the same story but what if it's not what if what if these what if they recognized long ago that the intelligences behind this wow. have the ability to manifest under different guises, but they act the same. And since you can't use a name, like because it, it appears or calls itself something, one name here, uses a completely name there, right? but it conducts itself the same. Did they create the sigils to represent that intelligence, whatever that demon is, whatever that being or that intelligence is, regardless of its facade or its manifestation, this sigil represents this particular being. Yeah. Do you know anything about that? Stray? I hadn't really thought about it that way. Um, because I figure a lot of the stories that get told from old are probably more symbolic. Um, but that's entirely possible if, if you're dealing with a real entity. Um, yeah. And I was, I, I was thinking that, you know, if the, if it's, if it's correct that the name, the real, the true names of these things 
being known to someone actually gives that person power over it somehow. It does. Names right. have power. They right. absolutely do. So then if these if that's true, then then it makes sense why a very powerful entity like that would not ever give out its name and then just let the culture name it instead. Right. And so you see the same action you see the same entity acting all over the world across multiple cultures, but each culture has its own name for them, but you, you can recognize the same entity through its actions, through its, uh, through its method right. of dealing with people, but nobody knows that, and that's why they all have different names, is because the, de the, the thing never gives out its true name, because somehow that results in a lowly human having power over it in some way. And it's interesting that some of the monotheistic religions are like, don't use the name of God. Yeah, that's, or what is the, the true name of God, like, yeah. Like let's let's. You'll never our, even be able to contemplate well, it. Don't yeah. ever say let's it. Spend Don't our entire try. lives trying to de determine the true name of God. Yeah, exactly. Is it is it the Brahmic tradition that that says that God uttered a word that that word was the Aum? Yeah, and that oh. is is the entire of that's all of creation right there yeah. in that vibration and everything that that has been created was created from that vi vibration. Mm -hmm. Not much different than Big Bang Theory, or the <laughs> yeah. or the in the beginning there was the word. Yeah, and the word was God. Right? Yes, yeah. I mean, all yeah, yeah. If there are connections to this idea of a single word or a name. And I'm serious about Big Bang because it's like there's basically nothing happening, and then suddenly there's, there's a vibration, explodes. and then yeah. poof, you know, yeah. it's let there be. But it's life. not vibration; it, it, it's more of a singularity unable to contain itself, and so it explodes. That explosion is the word and the vibration. It's the sure first. Enough. It's the first like energy that comes out it's definitely the modern day science's creation story yeah yeah i'll give you an example of this uh, how i say uh, this the different names but the same conduct and how this could tie in with the modern ufo lore it, i mentioned lilith who was also known as the screech owl right and then you have lilitu uh, and nana ishtar all of these were referred to as the stealer of children. Then jump forward to today, and you have in the abduction phenomenon, you have women who claim that their fetuses were taken. Yeah, yeah, yep. So again, is this the same phenomenon under different guises? Oh, and it's, it's, it's likely. It's likely to be misidentified in both cases but the same source. Right. It, it merely puts on a facade that is, again, it's, it's right at that limit of the understanding of the civilization at, of, at that time. And Joshua Cutchin's book deals, deals quite well with that whole idea of stealing children and changelings and stuff like that. I can't remember the name of the book though. It's, it's the obvious one. If you go look at Joshua's books, <laughs> the and then, yeah, the whole, you know, 411 stuff you know how many yeah. children go missing each year yeah but the more the more we've looked at the missing 411 stuff and i've done a few shows with you guys on it i mean there's a lot of cases there that are just prosaic explanations sure like oh, the last you, you know, know different than the ufo phenomenon yeah right 95 percent right. of it is prosaic stuff you know? and that's what i expected the very first time i i, I talked to david i said you know most of these are going to be prosaic but there's a handful here that are interesting but i feel like children are you talking about? Are you talking about? Okay, it's not, it's not Trojan feast, right? Are you talking about thieves in the night? Thieves in the night. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Joshua. Um, like like with uh, children, 
like one of the interesting cases we covered a while ago was that I think his name was Casey Cunningham, where he wandered off into the the forest. So him missing wasn't so much the thing, because kids wander off. You know, they run off. Parents aren't always watching. So that kids missing is kind of like a. Yeah, I can understand how that happens. The weird part of that case was that he was found alive like two days later after it was below freezing. Yeah. And he was said he was kept alive by a bear. Right. That's right. And it's like, well, that's not a thing. Nope. So what really happened to this kid that he interpreted as a bear keeping him alive? Because he shouldn't have been able to survive. He should have uh, He should have died of hypothermia. Right. And there's quite a few stories like that in those books where the kids, yes. the yeah. kids go yeah. missing and then the weather is hor- horrible and they're found way later and they seem to have been fed and taken care of in some cases they're yep. not even wet if it was raining uh so but like soraya said a lot of the cases probably have normal explanations but some of them are just extraordinary um, yeah, that the one that jumps out at me that i, I remember is uh david polias talking about the the child that was went missing for several days and same kind of situation and when when she was found and they asked her, you know, where were you? And she said that it was where she was. It was always daylight. And that she remembered oh, yeah. seeing the little cows. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, little yep. cows. Like, well, if you were up in the air, cows would look little. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> or she was in the dimension that had small cows. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's no telling. I mean, the, the, the phenomenon has the ability Could, to make Can little cows contemplate the universe? That's that's the question we have to ask. We don't want to live in that dimension. The stakes are too small. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah you, you got to wonder if, if other creatures, how they contemplate the universe, if at all, or if they just exist. They're just moment to moment. Or do, do any of them think of the bigger picture? Do dolphins think of the bigger picture? Do octopi, who seem to be very, very smart, think yeah. of the bigger picture? Yeah. Or are they connected into it in a way that we don't understand that allows them to just be without having to worry about it? Yeah, they don't have to contemplate because they know or they are. Have you read the story? Have you read um, Reality Denied? Nope. I don't think so. By by, uh, uh, Colonel John John Alexander? No. He tells a story. My daughter's a dolphin trainer, so (laughs) this is why this story jumps out at me. But... He tells a story about um, a, a dolphin trainer that um, had some type of an anomalous connection with these dolphins, and uh, they they I, Colonel John Alexander actually went out and they conducted some some tests, and, and I haven't read this story in, in a very long time, so this is, I may get certain details wrong, but it's it's very similar to the remote viewing um, experiments. Um, they took, they put the dolphin in, a, in an, an enclosure um, and had this trainer stand there. They, they created, I believe it was seven or 10 set of instructions. They put them in an envelope. Seven would, sets of instructions. At, <laughs> at, at, at random, they would hand the envelope to the trainer. She was not allowed to open the envelope. And then the dolphin would run through the series of actions that were written on these, on these sheets, even though she had, the trainer herself didn't read it. So it's not like she could be t- 
telling the dolphin what to do, you know, instructing it. Somehow there was some, some it's very similar again to, to remote viewing. The dolphins, the dolphin would go through this series of actions. And then afterwards they would say, yeah, I was right. That's exactly what, what was on this paper. And they went through however many it was. And on the last one, the dolphin got through the whole thing. And the very last thing on the sheet, it didn't do. And they were like, that's weird. It was like, got it perfect. It did everything it was, it was supposed to do. And then it, but it didn't do this. Why? The dolphin is sitting there doing this, signaling them. And they're like, what? They didn't understand it. Above this tank, they had put the dolphin in. There was a mesh, a screen over the top of the tank. And the instruction was for the dolphin to jump out of the water. The dolphin was telling him that if it jumped, it was going to hit the screen. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, and, and when you deal with psychic stuff with animals, you have Rupert Sheldrake's uh, research yep. that, that showed that dogs would know when their owners were coming home, even when it yep. wasn't on a pattern or a, you know, a regular time or anything like that. So, I mean, it may just be a natural thing for these animals. Yeah, yeah and, the his, and the question uh, is there is like, is the dolphin reading someone else's mind or is there some kind of precognition on the part of the, you know, of the trainer where because yeah. she reads the instructions later. So then you got this, you know, psychic connection going backwards. In yeah, time. yeah, you've got, yeah, you got retro causality. It could be uh, from the SRI study stuff. They, they were, were, their running theory was that it was, they were tapping into future knowledge. Yeah. yeah. So it's, yes precognition of some kind yeah mm -hmm. but the still fact that she was gonna read the instructions was right how right if they, they never the showed her the instructions the dolphin may not have been able to do the uh the exercises exactly. yeah if if i remember correctly most of the people that were doing remote viewing were way more accurate if they got the info later yes that's right than if they weren't told if they were correct or not right that's right which they, yeah suggests that they're able to pull that information from the future yeah or there's some future state of their mind that they're able to connect to in some way. It's weird. Yeah. yeah. Eric Wargo, when he did uh, his book, Time Loops, he talks about how often when people have precognitive dreams, when they dream about the very thing that's happening, they will dream uh, like the example, one of the interesting examples he gave, like this volcano went off and killed like a uh, hundred thousand people or 10,000 people. And the newspaper article got the number wrong. In his dream, he didn't witness the volcano going off, but it, like two days earlier, he has this dream that this volcano goes off and kills 100,000 people, which is what it said in the news article. Uh. And then it turns out it only killed 10,000, but he found out it from the news article. So, you know, Eric's suggestion here is he's picking up that information from the future because he's seeing the article. He's not seeing the volcano explode. And he gives a lot of examples like that. Yeah. Where you're looking at something where it seems like they're just picking up the knowledge of when they discover the event. They're not being, it's not precognitive information about the event, like the event itself, but their discovery of the event yeah, it's is not, what they're picking it's up. Not, it's not information about the world. It's information about their future state of mind. Their future yes. understanding. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Man. And the more traumatic something is, the more likely it is to project backwards in time. Mm. We're going to, we're not, if we ever do have any precognition folks, it's 
Just don't trust it because we're like 99% wrong about everything. That's right. Anyway. We're almost always wrong. So it's like our future state of mind is going to be wrong. <laughs> we knew we were going to be wrong. <laughs> I was totally right about how wrong I was going to be. Uh, but I, so I have a kind of something like that and maybe it doesn't count. It's, it's um, in my lyrics. Like I write a lot of lyrics. I have books full of lyrics and uh, it could be just a product of the way I write because I use a lot of metaphor um, I write sort of in an um, ambiguous way, but to me, the patterns are there. Like I, I, I have ways of representing things uh, that's pretty consistent, I think, for myself. But past lyrics, many years old, like a decade old, will I mean, just I'll listen to a song or I'll look read some lyrics, and it's like it applies sometimes eerily so perfectly to like what's going on in the current state. I don't think there's a huge difference from what we dip into to be creative from psychic stuff. I, I think, I, I think we're deep. We're, we're digging into that sort of unconscious part of ourselves. Yeah. I would not argue with that. Then I feel like sometimes when I get into a state, like it's, there's like a muse or something. I don't know. It's, yeah. But oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it's eerie. And and sometimes it happens more often than not. And now is one of those times. Like I'm just in this period right now where like all the, I'm working on this set of songs and so many of these old ones that I'm going back through and look, you know, trying to pull up and work on. I'm just like, oh my God, like <laughs> this is really weird. So I don't know, but it, but it is, they're not, you know, they're not cut and dry. So there right. is oh, yeah, yeah. prophecy never is cut and dry. Oh, okay. It's always given as a riddle. Reality yeah. isn't cut and dry. Right. Come on. Right. That's right. Hey, yeah. That's true. You <laughs> was gonna make other, this terrible I guess joke. I mentioned earlier the other the other argument is where is that information coming from? Is that information being provided to you? Are you tapping in that's yeah to your own knowledge or are you tapping into some exterior knowledge i can say so that you're, are you you sorry you're going back to your question you asked in the first segment which was like do these psychic people actually have powers or is something else happening is that what you're talking about like in yeah, other words this it, is, this is it another, isn't necessarily this is that another you're one of my little i'm seeding something for the future yeah it's like you're not something you're, we're going to be bringing up in future episodes that i might possibly present some examples of how this information may have been coming from an external source. Right. So you're you're not precognitive. It's actually something else is feeding you the information yeah, for this now, particular time. Yeah. This is a working this is a working analogy. This is not fully fully developed, so it's flawed, but it's I think you'll you'll get where I'm going with this. Okay. Um and I don't know the exact numbers I will when we get get further into this, but we process our reality we see things at a certain frame rate right like we our brain can perceive our now in a certain number of frames and you'll hear um stories about people that will get in a life-threatening situation they get in a car accident or something and your brain releases a chemical that doubles your that frame rate now your now is now but broader it allows time to slow down it's like a, a mechanism a defense mechanism that somehow we developed that allows you to 
to process your surroundings that you might be able to save yourself from this situation, right? So it's as though time is malleable. Oh yeah. In our in our process, our ability to process, right? So this is our normal now, and this is our I'm looking at the car. This is our, you know, our emergency now, right? What if there's an intelligence that we are we don't recognize is influencing us but what if they're what if it's now is much broader oh sure things that we perceive as future it's perceiving as now it's not that it's precognitive it's just its perception of time is different than ours it can look at the code of the game and see all the possibilities yeah, that yep. uh, that may be a factor in this, and you'll understand where I, why I say that in future. And with some of the stories that we'll be talking about in the future, there are there are cases where that's kind of seems like the most prosaic explanation for how certain information could have been known uh, mm -hmm. in advance. And, and I think there's more than one thing going on, like with any of this stuff. I mean, some of it may just be you're picking up future information from yourself, uh, emotional stuff that's being presented backwards in time. And then, I mean, I've I've had precognitive stuff that's not like precognitive dreams, like I've been given specific information in dreams. And the largest gap at this point was six years. So that's that's totally outside of what Eric Wargo was saying. And I'm given very specific information from what seems like a very specific entity. So it's not uh, it's not just, oh, I, I dreamed about a thing that was going to happen to me. No, the, that thing that I dreamed about wasn't even though it was couched in like dream stuff. None of that actually happened, but all the information laid out. And over the years, I've learned to pick out which information is important when I have those dreams because they feel mm -hmm. different, but they usually have normal dream stuff mixed in. So, like, something's communicating through and being like, okay, these are the things you need to look for. The gates of horn and ivory, boy. I can yeah. completely yeah. relate with that statement. So, I and I think that stuff comes from an outside intelligence or a part of myself that is so different that I don't recognize it as myself. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's really cool. Well, all right, I we would say that in my personal experience, um, it would be hard for me to accept that it was my knowledge, my future knowledge. I don't. It's hard. It's yeah. without getting into any sort of details or anything. It's a hard. It's complicated. It's possible, but. It seems unlikely. I don't. I don't know. Right. Yeah. So it could yeah. be. It could be. Again, your, we don't know. That's yeah. the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. We, we can speculate, know. but there's no way to know for sure. Right. Uh, and, and bottom line, I mean, what? Regardless of what it is, whether we're tapping into our own future knowledge, whether we're tapping into, you know, morphic resonance, or you know, whatever it is, the thing is that this is a part of human experience. It's yes. not. It's yeah. not, uh, I don't think it's nearly as unusual as, as people try to make it out to be. I think virtually everybody experiences it. Now, whether they admit it to themselves or they recognize it or acknowledge it. Or their brain just filters it right, out completely. Right. But 
I think this is part of the human experience. It's we we I think we could potentially interact with this thing on a continual basis. Yeah. There's a, I mean, there's been a number of experiences in my life where me and I was with two other people and one of them experienced the same thing I did. And the third person did not. And to me, that's, that's either that this phenomena can very much pick who it wants to interact with or that third person's brain just filtered that out is not important. Um, the weird thing is like in my brain, because I'm lucky I took notes because there's one guy I hung out with a lot and a lot of weird stuff happened when I was around him. And one of the weird experiences I have, he was the one that didn't see it. And the other person I was with that nothing weird ever happened with was the one who saw it. Hmm. So then you go, why, why, that's why you were there, man, you lay that's out like that. you're the wild card. You're the, yeah. It's your I'm, fault. bro. It's your fault. You were there. <laughs> you're the wild card. You and your Kundalini stuff and just like messed everything up. <laughs> But I, you know, it's, it's like why, you know, in my brain, I actually had switched them because it made more logical sense to me because, well, this guy experienced other stuff when he was around me and this guy never had. So that must have been how it is. And then I look at my notes and I'm like, I had everything exactly right, except I switched them. Mm. Yeah. And we've talked about on the show before, I've given examples of experiences, you know, specific, more specifically UFO sightings, but that you'll have multiple individuals side by side that have this encounter and then their descriptions are entirely different. Yeah. Yes. Their perceptions yeah. of time, what they observed, almost every aspect of it are completely different. So, you know, can there had to be some stimulus there, right? They're yeah. they're not imagining this, but they're perceiving it in different ways. And is that a inability to process this experience Properly. or is it yeah. a or is it a purposeful manipulation of their perception yeah so years ago there was an incident with a google blimp that went off course or did something weird and it generated a ton of ufo reports and all the ufo reports described it exactly the same way yeah <laughs> And the two, the two things there that stuck out to me is, okay, so average people are actually good observers. They did not know it was a blimp. They didn't know what it was. So when P and B, when people are experiencing the same thing and they're reporting different effects, it's because they're perceiving it differently. Yeah. Because when it's a real life object and they all saw this blimp, they all described it exactly the same way. That's right. Yeah, I think well, that that, hold on. that kind of lends to that, you know, the, the, the skeptics arguments have always been that, well, why are they, you know, why are they always described differently? And are, they yeah. use all these things and like, no, you're actually making a good observation. It's not yeah. that they, they're making this up or that they're not, you know, they were mistaken by what, no, it's, that is evidence in itself that it, it, it has the ability to appear differently to different people it can appear like you said to one person and the person standing next to him doesn't see it yeah that's there are many examples of that yeah uh Jer when jeremy I, vaney was on the show recently he was talking about how him and jeff rutzman are you trying to say something? we're trying to yeah you guys are you guys are abducting the show we're <laughs> oh, trying excellent. to uh we're gonna what you wanted <laughs> we're going we're going long we're gonna take a break and we'll come back and let's keep this going this yeah, is yeah. Great. okay all right
And we are back, ladies and gentlemen. The uh, final segment of this episode of Brothers Brothers of the Serpent podcast. Going long. Going and, long. Uh, sorry we had to interrupt you there, but Sarai, you were um, telling a story. I don't remember what it was about, but let's, so, let's hear um, it. Last, I think it was the last time Jeremy was on my show. Jeremy Vaney, who used to do Paratopia with Jeff Ritzman. He, um, we were discussing this this incident they had where there was a light on the ground. I think he said it was at a bus stop. I could be wrong about the location, but only one of them could see it. And it was like just this pinpoint of light that was like out a little ways away from them. And I don't know if Jeremy saw it or Jeff saw it, but the, the other one didn't see it until he moved into the exact same spot. And then it became visible, which a point of light should not do. I mean, why the point light is there. Yeah. That's odd enough on its own, but to only be seen from a very specific angle. It was uh, coming through a also- tube. <laughs> <laughs> a tube into another dimension yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hmm. yeah. Um, but i mean that's what it makes me think of like if a, if you have a long tube and there's a hmm? point source at the in the very back of it and you're looking through it you can only see it from a very specific angle right yeah yeah um tim renner uh, when he was walking through Site 7 once with someone, someone who was apparently very skeptical of the lights they would see out there, which would be typical little lights, suddenly had this ball of light appear in front of him. And he was just like freaking out. Apparently, the thing looked like the size of a, a large softball to him, and everyone else just saw a point of light. Hmm. Hmm. Did you, can you give a brief explanation of Site 7 real quick? Site 7 is just a, one of the odd locations in uh, southern Pennsylvania that uh tim renders recorded a bunch of weird phenomena at, yeah. mostly weird lights that will flicker around uh i've been there a couple of times we got minimal stuff but i did see a few quick lights i've seen i it hasn't ever been super active in the few times i've been there mm. but he has brought gone through it enough where other people have seen things with him numerous times yeah i'd love to go check yeah we have a place here. uh here marfa yeah, oh, yeah. Well, that's, that's a much bigger a bigger type of uh, light manifestation. Yeah. Yeah. I know people have been there and seen seen the lights, and yep. they've told us, like, you guys got to go. You got to go. Right. Didn't Brad, I think Brad saw something. Brad there. went, we're, yeah. We're going to, yeah, yeah, we're going to, to the meetup. And we have, I mean, that yeah. that almost seems like a natural format, a natural sort of uh, manifestation, except that they Earth seem lights. to show some uh, rudimentary consciousness, which then brings you into the category of plasma consciousness possibilities yeah that um viewing angle that you mentioned um that reminded i was trying to connect dots here like that reminded me a little bit of the uh, aerial encounter um the aerial school encounter um if you watch um, i don't know if you've seen the documentary but not yet um, they they're they interview a few of the kids that were there and, and they talk about what they you know experienced and they have drawings that they made at the time and mm-hmm. um it, it's 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 a pretty impressive documentary and uh but they do mention that what they saw was a little bit it, it, it appears to suggest that what they saw was influenced by where they were positioned mm. because some one or two of the of the individuals involved, the, the the children that were there, described seeing. Where let me start. The ones in the middle said, "Oh, they saw a craft 
that appeared to have like a, a walkway and there was a being standing on the walkway. There was another one that approached them um, and they have descriptions of what they appeared like and their eyes and the whole nine yards. But like one of the, one girl in particular that was off to the side said that what she saw looked like a rock. It looked mm. like a big stone. It didn't look like a craft. And there was a being, besides the being that approached, there was another being off to the side. And this being appeared to be running away, but oh, that's right. yeah. looked straight, like it was running in a, like a jiggity, like it was like. It was jerky. Pixelated yeah. or frame, you know, frame, yeah. slow frame yeah. rate or something. Yep. And it would get to a certain point, it would disappear and it would start at the beginning. It was, and it was like in a loop. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, things like that, like, hmm, is this uh, a psyop or something? Or is this... Or is it something uh, punching into our reality? Right, right. Is it, is it, it, you know, right. It's coming in and it, you're looking through this, you know, wormhole or something. And, and you can only see it from a certain angle. I don't know. Uh, but this is not unusual. In other words, these type of descriptions of that appear different based on the viewing angle that could play into why maybe some of these multiple witness descriptions see different appear things. to be different. Right. It, I, I also wonder if it's all about uh, picking up extra information that we don't realize. Uh, again, we, uh, Tim was out at a Gettysburg bridge that's supposed to be haunted and stuff, even though no one's ever actually died on the bridge. Um, but Gettysburg is just a very energetic place anyway. And they re they said they were on the bridge and there was a lot of activity. And when they went to leave, the bridge made a sound like someone dropped a safe on it. Like it's just this loud gunshot, loud kabang. But on their recorders, it's just like a knock. And I said, well, what if what you heard was amplified by other senses, other parts of your senses you don't realize amplified it? You know, that was actually the sound was just that little knock, but your senses knew there was more behind that. So that emphasized it more and made it much louder for you because, hey, there's more information here. You weren't yeah. perceiving it through your ears. Right. You're perceiving it in your brain. Yeah. yeah. You and perceived. Yeah. You perceived the knock, but then the knock was amplified. Yeah. And, and we know even just from prosaic experiences that perception is great, can be greatly affected by uh by relative position right yes. by, by where you yeah. are you know there's plenty of um there's plenty of examples even with sounds like you're saying like you know if you hear something and it's very close to your ear it can it can sound really loud when somebody mm -hmm. who is a couple of feet away mm -hmm. they hear a little pop right you're like wow that was like incredibly loud no it was just a little pop right but it's just right next to your ear or if you're standing on a large in the middle of a very large structure you only see parts of it but somebody on the outside can con conceive of it as a single large. Oh you know, yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, so if you're, in, if you're inside of a, if you're inside of a massive building, all you see are the four walls and the ceiling and the floor, <laughs> but somebody outside can see that it's got 12 floors and all this stuff. So there's plenty of ways I, that perception can, and, and positioning. I don't can, know if I mentioned this to you, but when we were in the, in the, in the great pyramid, um, that night we, I came out, I was with a couple of the other guys. We, I, I we were walking out. We were in the in the chain or in the passage going out, and you guys were further in. And I think I don't remember it was you, Russ, or someone were stomping their feet inside. Yeah. 
it sounded to us like a cannon going off. Yeah, in that that's why we were doing it. It was crazy. Yeah. We, it was yeah. so loud. I tried to get my camera to get it on video. And it was like, like holy cow. <laughs> I mean, it was like down there. It was like maybe 20 hertz. I mean, it was super low. It's very low. And yeah, you stop and just boom. And then it goes up the, yeah, you know, was, up the descending wow. passage like a cannon Quite shot. An experience. Yeah. yeah. And when you're standing inside that thing, it's just crazy. And then we all got scared. We kept, more people were stopping, and then we were like, stop! Stop! <laughs> <laughs> Let's not do that anymore! Yeah. <laughs> well, at least you know it's not going to come down on you. Yeah. But, I mean, even that, the pyramid is a great example. Like, you, you, you can walk around in all those passages and chambers on the inside, and if you didn't know what the exterior shape of it was, you'd have no way of discerning oh, yeah. Yeah. of discerning the 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 exterior structure from what you're doing on the inside of that thing. You know, and it's the same way when you're standing outside looking at it. It's also one of those things where it's so enormous that even standing next to it, you are aware that you just it's it's incomprehensibly large, right? Yeah. So it just kind of messes with your perception. Then you try to get close to it to look up at to at it, but it's so big that it actually it actually occults itself and you can't see the you can't see enough of it anymore when you get close. So there's plenty That's of one of the problems with a lot of like the giant triangle sightings and all is that um people in aviation will say that it that that people will very often overestimate the size of aircraft because they they cannot there's no way to tr triangulate yeah, yeah. that and to, to be able to discern how high is this object is it close to me and yeah. huge or is it far up you know it's it, so that that can play into your you know your perception it's not just visual it's yeah. also your interpretation of what you're seeing. Right. Yes. You have to yes. you, you have to be aware already of the basic concept of the structure to to be able to comprehend what it is up in the sky when there's no other frame of reference for it. Right. Yeah. Cuz cuz the context is usually your frame of reference is not just, you know, distances, right? Your frame of reference is your own personal experience. That's what I mean, yeah. When you're exactly. seeing something you go, "Oh, that's a airliner i know airliners are big right you know yeah. what i mean yeah when yeah. you're seeing something that is does it's something completely new you've never seen anything like it yeah, you yeah. have no way of knowing whether it's close or far right else. you have no way of judging scale because you don't know right. what you're looking at yeah another one i always think of is you know the um the science fiction series written by larry niven the ring world series is the the inhabitants on the ring the ring world itself is a huge ring that goes all the way around its star in the about the orbit of earth right so it's enormous a massively enormous structure and the all the people live on the inside of the ring the side that faces the star but the people on the ring they've they've forgotten what it is if they've been there for hundreds of thousands of years and they no longer remember that they're on a ring so they think that there's an arch they see a big flat landscape and they think that way out at the end of it is an arch that goes over the sun because that's what it looks like to them right from their perspective, the the ring that's curving up over the sun looks like a big arch going over the star, right? Hmm. So it's about perspective. It's like, and and especially very large structures that you that you don't know about, they can really trick your brain. Well, the the one UFO sighting I had over Cayuga Lake, when I first saw it, it was huge, and it was up where there was no reference point. I mean, it was dark. Yeah, there were yeah. lots of lights on it. The thing was blinding, yet I could still look at it after a moment. And I wasn't able to determine the size until it started dropping down into the lake. Uh. 
and then it went behind the trees and i went oh that's really big <laughs> it's really big okay <laughs> yeah like yeah. really really big yeah once the trees are in the frame of reference then you can be yes yeah exactly. when, when, when the trees are tiny and they're big trees yeah. and the things going behind it and it's like yeah enormous yeah. along those it's like okay whatever i'm looking at even if it's just lights those lights are huge right was this part of the uh the uh, Hudson Valley sightings? That no, no, I'm I'm in the middle of the state. Hudson Valley is down toward uh, New York City. This was what just a one-off. Uh, what was, time? When would this have been? June 2001. And as far as I know, no one else reported it. It was also 11:30 at night. So, what did the object look like? Uh, it didn't. It was all lights. I uh, initially thought it was a car coming up from the lake with high beams on because it was blinding me. And when I finally was like, why, why isn't it stopping blinding me? I, <laughs> I looked through it and I'm like, what the fuck am I looking at? And there were lights on top and bottom. And then there were lights moving around it that were multicolored, like uh, green, red, blue uh, type lights. And they'd stop at a certain point and then come back. So it almost looked like it was saying wrapping around. But I realized I couldn't see if it was actually wrapping around something, but it was like a Pac-Man effect. Like it would get to the end and they were all going in one direction. Hmm. But I, I'm like, you know, going, I can't, I can't see anything behind it, but it's also up in the air. So I wouldn't expect to see, even if it was just lights, those lights are washing everything out. Yeah. I couldn't see an actual structure. It made absolutely no noise uh, and was just unbelievably bright. But not lighting everything up either. That was the other thing. Oh. Yeah, because you would that expect was, something that bright would light up yeah. the landscape around it, right? Right. Yeah. Wow. And it hit hit right at, I didn't think about this at the time because it wasn't something I, I looked for. Uh, luckily, I kept notes on all this stuff, but it happened at a very liminal time in my life when a lot of things were changing. Um, I think I had told Mike Clellan the story and he went, what was going on in your life at the time? And I'm like, I have no idea. And I went back and looked and went, holy crap, a lot. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Because there's a connection there between liminality and the paranormal. Right. Does that energy state that you're in, is that, con you know, conducive to this type of yeah. experience? Yeah. Um. And one of you brought up crop circles when we were in break. Yep. And uh, so the interesting thing about crop circles, they initially, the, guy, the guys who took credit for it back in the 80s, 90s, whenever it was. Doug and Dave. Yeah, who said they were <laughs> somehow getting all over the country and making crop circles overnight. Yeah. Which logistically didn't even work. But, you know, when they were asked how they came up with them, they said, oh, we had them in Australia when we grew up. They were called saucer nests. Yeah. So these were things that would appear in the swamp areas and stuff that would just be the same type of pattern. So they were, they claim they were mimicking these things, but um, you know, people who have studied this stuff, they've said, well, yes, there's all these groups that go out and they'll actually put their signature in them. So you can tell which group made it, but you have to know where to look. But at the same time, the people going out there making those crop circles have had weird experiences while making the crop circles. That's right. There's, there's something. Yes. I have heard this too, that there's that people, they, they just go out to do it and then they start having weird experiences. Right. Yeah. Right. And the, the, one of the more interesting ones I heard was someone went out and did this design and then the next day it came out and the design was twice as big because somebody else who he didn't know also 
got in his head, I need to go out tonight and make this design. So the two designs complemented one another. <laughs> and they did them without knowing that the other was out there. Oh, wow. Yep, that's weird. Yeah, so I mean, it's probably not UFOs making these things, but even when it's people making these things, there's something weird going on. There's some kind of weird it, interaction happening. It reminds me of the, you know, the architecture and the geometry and stuff um, that causes people to have uh, altered states. You know, you go into oh, yeah. this beautiful structure, like a temple or whatever, and it's just, there's something about it that's, it just causes this sort of altered state. And, uh, you know, maybe it is something to do with the geometry or there's, I, I don't know. That, that's just what it made me think of. Like you, I don't know, maybe it's or the geometrically kill a bunch of grass. It's, uh, <laughs> causes an altered state. <laughs> I mean, and there's definitely some circles that have weird properties to them. You know, yep. people will go into them and feel faint and stuff like that. So, yeah. Who knows what's really going on? I mean, yeah, mo most of them are probably man-made, but there's probably... I think there's an actual phenomena there as well, making the circles. It's just very, very uh, infrequent. Right. That's, 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 that's my take on it as well, is that there is... It's almost... I started thinking of it as it's kind of like a cargo cult, right? Mm. That there is an actual phenomena of making these patterns... And it and that and the, the the attention given to it has developed into this strange, interesting, <laughs> almost paranormal art form that people now do, that emulate these patterns and expand on them. Yeah, yeah. In um, a, in an earlier Patreon episode, um, you read this little short story that I wrote that was just really supposed to be an analogy that was called the Wall. And the point of that was to illustrate how the phenomenon is so broad that we are virtually incapable of, of of drawing it all in at once. You can yeah. you can pan your vision across it, and you can take in a certain amount, but it's virtually impossible to see it all. Definitely not all at once. You can focus it on something. And you can focus on this and you can focus on it, but you can't see it all at once. And what I what I've been attempting to do is to try to give a broad overview of what's written on this wall. And so you can't, it's very, very difficult to be very knowledgeable on every aspect of the phenomenon. Um, the crop circle phenomenon is a part that I have chosen not to delve very far into. Now I I'm obviously aware of certain aspects like the fact that, you know, the, the old fairy rings and those kind right. of things. In other words, there's historical precedent for yeah. this type of thing prior to, you know, our modern technological age. Right. But at the same time, I'll, I am also aware of data that suggests um, military capability to possibly mimic some of what, we're seeing oh sure um yeah. but and and it gets so foggy and and it's it's like it's a field of itself right and the study of of crop circles i think is one that almost requires dedicated and you know research into that so yeah i agree with that i can't speak very um 
knowledge in terms of, you know, I don't have a great depth of knowledge in that aspect because I recognize that it's a rabbit hole that does, that will require a lot of time. Like we, I have a question about it. Is there, are there like YouTube videos and stuff now of people doing it, making like probably, ridiculously yeah. awesome crop circles? Cause it seems I, like I, it, there should be. Yeah, I'm sure there are. The farmers generally aren't too happy with these people. Right. They, so they're usually, they, the, the other claim is like, well, you have to do it in secret because you're basically destroying a bunch of crops. Yeah. yeah. Or you well, have to get permission from the farmer. And that is, but you know, a lot of times you can tell there's a, like an advertisement basically that's put into the field and they get, the farmers are getting paid. Yeah. At yeah, one okay. time they were, there was a lot of hype behind it. And the claim was that farmers were paying to have them made because then they were charging people to come and, mm. and see them. Yeah. But, yeah. but as the popularity went away, the, a lot of the circles continued. Yeah. The circles keep So that's getting kind made. of a counter argument. <laughs> yeah. Like, and a lot of times uh, the farmers get mad because everybody wants to come see them and they're trampling more of the crops right, and they're, right. you know, so yeah. it's like, it's not really to the farmer's benefit to have a bunch of people wandering their fields. Um, Ah, Bill Gates can kiss our ass. <laughs> <laughs> He's just trying to control the crop production. <laughs> well, the other thing we brought up earlier in one of the breaks that you know we were wondering about was the was the cattle mutilations, right? So this is another one yeah. that's similar to crop circles in that in some cases it seems like something strange may be happening. In most cases, or in a lot of the cases, it seems like you can probably put this down to human agency. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's a few, but, you know, when it's so few, you start to wonder, what if these are not true stories? Yeah, yeah. Uh, what if the people were mistaken? But, yeah, there's there's some odd cattle mutilations out there. Um, but I think most of them are related to either corporate or government interests. Yeah. Uh, checking this stuff and, and leaving a weird scene behind so that it's not obvious what's going on. Right. But it's also, it's just one of those things like the, like the crop circles where... I just wonder why it gets attributed to the aliens. You know, it's yeah. like it. What? Well, what? It's all aliens, right? That's what I'm saying. It's, it's like that's that's <laughs> or the part. Or that it's seems all weird. demons, or it's all something. It's you know, right? And basic. So basically, what we're saying on this show is the the aliens are the demons. And so everyone is right, <laughs> right? Is that what basically what we're saying? <laughs> like we were saying earlier, people like to sort of simplify things. Yeah. You know, they, they especially if it's something you're not really interested in, you just kind of want to get it out of your your radar. Like, oh, I don't, I don't like the idea that there could be aliens. Tell me why there's not aliens. Okay, good. Yeah. Now I can go back to my life and and you know whatever. Right. Watch right. football and not have to worry about the aliens. Um, but when you try to get to the nuanced stuff and you start digging deeper into it, people, are, you know, the people who are just surface level interested, who are like, oh, yeah, this stuff is cool. I like to be scared. It's like, but it's not it's not about scaring you. It's about understanding reality when it comes right down to it, because these are the things in reality that don't fit. So what better way to to understand reality better and how we interact with it than to look at the things that scientifically don't fit into what we understand to be reality. Yeah. And they don't want to hear that. They just want a scary story. <laughs> Things, they want that to be spooked. Yeah. Things that are impossible yet they happened anyway. Right. Right. So if they're, if they're impossible, but they happen, they're clearly not impossible. And we've created rules that have been broken that 
clearly aren't correct all the time. That's They're right. just more rare phenomena. Like look, looking up and seeing the sun in the sky is a very common phenomena. But looking up and seeing something dart around the sky faster than anything should be able to dart around the sky, that's a rare phenomena. Yeah. It's not an impossible one. It's just extremely rare. That reminds me of a quote by Jeffrey Kripal. Um, I had to look it up because I, I, I write it down. Whenever there's somebody says something that I think is pretty yeah, yeah, yeah. observant, I, I write, and he says, our conclusions are a function of our exclusions. Uh, yeah. yeah. I think that's, that's pretty yeah. accurate. You know, things that are impossible are only impossible because of our frame of reference. In other words, yeah. if you're unaware of something, it does not make that, impossible yeah it just it's beyond your understanding it's just not necessarily impossible and and even within the realm of of like the last hundred or so years of science there was a point where they said breaking the sound barrier was impossible oh yes they've you know they said you a man will never go 200 miles an hour uh, in a quarter mile there have been there have been hours if you everything i've said this before and this is actually uh, uh calls back to to um to uh, boy i can't think of who said it um god it's uh, everything is impossible if you make all the wrong assumptions yeah um, oh that's that, good that, yeah. yeah yeah um there there have been many achievements that were once thought to be impossible but they were they were accomplished in entirely different fashion yeah. than what was envisioned. Like or, or you space get travel, going to the moon, they once said it was going to be impossible because the rocket would be so heavy it could never lift off the ground. Yeah. They never thought to think, to consider that this could be done in stages. Yeah. 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 Like I think Heinlein also said, he said, uh, the people who say something is impossible to do need to get out of the way of the people doing it. That's what he said, right? It's yes, a, yes. Because you're, you're people are. It, it's breaking barriers is is something that humans have shown themselves to be very good at, right? We've you know, it, it, like even our own barriers, the ones that are in our minds. You know, someone is like, this can't be done, or maybe the common knowledge is like that's impossible, but somebody's out there trying to do it anyway. And and a lot of times, interestingly, like the biggest uh, steps forward come from people not in the fields that they just made the steps forward. Right. Cause they I don't know what's impossible. Right. 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 That's right. right. <laughs> They're just like, I'm just going to do this thing. Whereas everyone in that field is going, you can't, that's impossible. Right. They're like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. So, and the other, the other thing about, you know, we were saying about frames of reference and, and you know, where you're standing. And a lot of times it's, I, I, you know, you hear these things like, well, this is, that's not possible or like that isn't rational or, you know, these explanations that are sort of, sort of hand waving away certain maybe paranormal experiences or whatever. And I'm just like, how do you know? Yeah. Like in the standard model concept of the universe, it's this massively enormous place that's incredibly ancient. Right. And we have this tiny little sliver of time, even for our, even for all of human history, it's a tiny little sliver of time relative to the entire universe. How do you know what's, what is and isn't likely or possible yeah. you know yeah. like from your frame of reference from our from the entire of humanity's frame of reference we don't know space is massive and time is very long right so there's just and and we know that there are common 
things that take place, something that happens all the time. And then we also know that there are rare events and who's to say that there aren't exceedingly rare events that are nevertheless possible. Yeah. You know, like what was the Feynman um, uh, explanation about the chess game? Like you can watch a chess game for a long time, but there are certain moves that rarely take place. Like castling. Right. And if you, if you sat down and watched a chess game and you didn't know any of the rules and your, your idea was like, I'm going to like reverse engineer the rules by watching the game take place. It's sort of like what physicists are doing with nature. Yeah. There's certain things that take place in chess that happen so rarely that you would have, and you would probably not have any way of deducing that it was something that could happen. Unless you're playing James Kamak, then it freaking nails you every time. (laughs) It happens every game. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) That's a very good analogy of it. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a I have a question, but we're 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 running out of time here. Last so question. Do a whole other segment? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, we'll do a Patreon after this. But <laughs> yeah, we can I just, do a Patreon. I, sure. What do you guys think about like standard physical being aliens with nuts and bolts craft? What do I think about them? A, as I, possible, like you know that we've been visited by these or. It's, I mean, nothing, like I said, nothing's off the table because we can't explain it. We don't have the answers. I think it's less likely than a lot of other stuff just because the distance is involved. And I mean, again, that they may have completely different tech. So it might be a completely different thing for them. But I don't see, okay, I don't see evidence of humanoid beings like us coming here. I think most UFO reports are something else. The beings we're encountering are not extraterrestrial, or if they are, they're not getting here in nuts and bolts crafts. Now, it is entirely possible that probes have gone past here or even landed here. And it's also possible we share the world with extraterrestrials that are outside of our um, ability to interact with. So they could be here with us, and we just don't even know. You know, it's it's like one of those statements when you get uh, scientists will say, well, there's no other intelligent life in our solar system. Yet, like us, that we're aware of. But there could be something in the depths of Jupiter a thousand times smarter than we are. I was just about to say, something like Jupiter. I mean, there could be Jovians. We would, how would we even see them? Right. The planet itself would cloak them from us. Yeah. Our concept of aliens being just like us, I mean, it's entirely possible if there are aliens out there, they are humanoid or evolved similar to us or. If the Pamspermia thing works, they're, they're created from the same genetic yeah, they, program. They even share our DNA in yeah. some respect. Yeah. Right. But I don't, when I look at UFO encounters, the more and more I look at them, the less and less likely the extraterrestrial hypothesis seems to work. It's okay. the, they're too diverse. There's too many of them. They're too personal. Okay. Marty? Yeah. I don't think that, in, in, my, in my opinion, I don't think this has to be a binary choice. Aliens or not aliens type thing. I think it can be both <laughs> because. Yeah, I'm asking if, is, if right, I'm, right. I'm not asking it, is it one or the other? I'm asking, do you, what do you right. think about the words, possibility I, I of these? I guess what I'm getting at is that there could be aspects of both in terms of we could be uh, the, the remnants of an extraterrestrial civilization. Yeah, right. right? Yeah. Uh, okay. So, so I'm not discounting aliens and, and odds are, there is intelligent life. I mean, in the Probably. universe, right? But the fact that, in other words, I'm making a distinction with what we're experiencing, what we see, what has been reported. Being that is unlike, in my opinion, only for a few reasons, right? P- there, first and foremost, I would say people tend to say, well, if we can crack 
if we can crack superluminal, you know, uh, propulsion, right? If we can, if we can go make build faster rockets, right? Build faster spacecraft. That'll solve it. That that makes gives us ability. You're like, no, it doesn't. There's all sorts of problems in that. First of all, you're thinking that because you can build, that's like saying, well, if I can go 200 miles an hour with a car that has a thousand horsepower, if I build a car with 2000 horsepower, I can go 2000 miles. An hour. No, it doesn't work that way. It's, it's the, every to go a little bit faster gets exponentially more complicated. You can have superluminal. You know, uh, let's say you created a superluminal engine right just to keep it simple right you have this engine that's capable of going beyond the speed of light how are you going to navigate it you turn it on and you instantaneously run into an asteroid or a planet <laughs> right, right. Like, we haven't even begun to factor in how how would you navigate something like that or is the it gets exponentially more complicated and a small rock or something in space. Oh, just the dust, dust in speed. space. Yeah, exactly. exactly. In other words, there's all sorts of problems with that. Yeah, now, there's going to be cold space like time, that. boys. <laughs> right. Then on top of that, what are the odds if in the, the multitude of different aliens, these all these different, you know, you hear these stories of, oh, there's nine different species of aliens right. visiting or whatever. Okay. We're not but, that interesting. Right. <laughs> what are the odds that they're all coming here with the same agenda? They all follow the same rules. They all, in other words, yeah. Uh, for thousands of years, yep. Throughout the existence of mankind, they all came here and followed the exact same, you know, like whatever the protocols. The, yeah, the, what's the <laughs> we're what's a lab. The, uh, there's the the Star Trek Prime Directive. The Prime Directive. Yeah. You know? yeah. I don't buy that. Well, they've definitely been are... violating the prime directive. I mean, they've been starting <laughs> religions and yeah, right, know. right. That's just it. And then in, again, you know, the, the, the idea to me, and this, this is, you know, this gets more to the esoteric fundamental questions in that if this, if, when you look at it from the religion standpoint, right, if this, in these intelligences or whatever it is that are coming here are creating or inspiring and encouraging. They're not just inspiring. They're encouraging the development of new religions. Why not shore up the religion you already started? Yeah. Why yeah. constantly create new ones? And they're always inevitably in competition with the others. Yep. In other words, these are, they're not, they're not giving us answers, but they're creating all these new questions. It, it complicates it. I just don't see how a physical aliens from another planet solves these questions. Yeah, I understand. I, I get you there. And I agree that it wouldn't. I'm, I'm, I was just strictly asking what's, you know, what's your opinion on could this be happening? Not that it explains everything, not that it's the whole story, but could it be part of the story? What 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 if part of the goal in creating different religions and and pushing people in different directions is to get us to be comfortable with the idea of uncertainty and not jump into these sort of tribal arguments with one another? Like it's intentionally trying to push us to be accepting of one another and accepting the fact that we don't always know because so many people are just they they need certainty in their lives and. Nothing about life is certain. Uh, 
like you have the illusion of it here and there, but you never know when things are going to change. Right. I mean, one of the best parts about life is that it's uncertain, right? That's right. what makes it right. exciting. You don't know what's going to happen. So, Well, we do know is that this show this is going show to end. This show is over. <laughs> <laughs> I think those are great answers, guys. Yeah, I, I like answers, yeah. I like both perspectives. And, of course, you know, it's, it's also interesting just hearing – you know, from your engineering perspective, Marty, you, uh, the fact that you were a nuts and bolts guy, it's obvious that you uh, have an open mind. Yeah. Because you right. are kicking your old ass, right? Yeah, now. that's right. You're kicking your old... <laughs> that old guy who your, believed your, in the uh, nuts and bolts. previous guys. You yeah. just destroyed him, man. <laughs> <laughs> All See, right. if I had, if I had uh, precognition, if I was tapping into future knowledge, I would have never been a nut. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clearly, you I, have I think, you have no psychic people, abilities, Marty. <laughs> I think most people getting into UFOs start nuts and bolts because yeah. that's where the pro the mainstream Obvious. stuff is, and it takes you know. I think it was for me, it wasn't even valet. Like valet should have done it, but it never clicked. Like when I read valet talking about the fairy faith and UFOs being the same, I was like, oh, so the ETs were the fairies. Uh, <laughs> I was just like, I just went von Daniken Sitchin. I was like, that explains it. <laughs> and it was it wasn't until I read Kenneth Ring's uh, Omega Project where he's showing the similarities in the after effects of UFO experiences and near death experiences. Yeah. That my brain was like, okay, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, okay. So aliens are interacting with us when we're dead? <laughs> nope, that's, that's not working. Something else is happening here, and then everything started following suit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're cool. trying to create this you all, you know, grand unified theory. Yeah. Because it taps into so many aspects of the human experience. It's uh, yep. very, very difficult. And again, it's full of contradictions. But I think a lot of that is purposeful. Yeah, it's, I kind of not want us to understand. Personally, or just after learning all this reach. stuff from you guys, like I'm not a unified theory guy. I'm I'm more like there's a bunch of different things happening. That's just the way I look at. It. I don't think it's all one. But oh, they're, yes. they're interrelated, though. I agree. Yes. There are many things, but they are interrelated. I provide yep. a lot of examples of how there's overlap on these things. You cannot make the it's not very easy to make distinctions between these things because there are lots of examples that incorporate all those different aspects of seemingly completely unrelated things. Well, you, you, you can look at it like this. Uh, there could be a whole bunch of different people with different agendas using the Internet, but you need the Internet to interact with them. Yeah. So even though they're coming from completely different directions, they could be completely different types of people. You can still discover you, the internet. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, there's this internet thing, and that's yeah, what's making this possible. Yeah, they're basically all follow it. Yeah, okay. The same I'm, protocols. I'm yeah. with you on that, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this so has been great, guys. Yeah. The grand unified theory is you need the internet to talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. But you don't know, that doesn't tell you who you're talking to or what their agenda is. <laughs> right. And well, some of them are tricksters. Yes. Absolutely. Mm. Well, thank both of you guys. Th both of you guys so much. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, you want to join us on a Patreon episode after this? Yeah. Yeah. You guys got time? Yeah. Soraya, tell people where they can find you. I'm sure they, everybody that listens to us knows your show. But <laughs> where did the road go? Dot com has everything where did the road go related. And if you like heavier music, thelastexit.org. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> if you want to listen to 
symphonic yes. black metal. Yes, <laughs> that is on there. If you guys want to follow Marty, you can follow him at we'll get to that later.com. <laughs> <laughs> no, join the Discord. <laughs> there you go. Do you have a website, Marty? You have Monster no. Truck website? I do, but it's completely unrelated. It's so people will, you know. What is it? MonsterTruckTechnology.com. There you All go. Right, cool. Monster Truck Technology. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I hope you enjoyed this one. We love you guys. You always have. Always will. Good night, Adamu. Get back to work. been listening to where did the road go this show is made possible in part from our patreons and we thank you and everyone listening for helping us continue this exploration of the strange you can always find everything where did the road go related at www.wheredidtheroadgo.com and thank you so much for your support <laughs>